Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you, one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dead City Drive-In, the only podcast that asks the question, if we drop you, you think you can fly? <laughs> I'm Brandon Windish. And I'm Chris Holcomb. And we are the heads of programming in this year, Dead City. And in this episode, decreed by the higher-ups, our bosses, the drive-in gods, we have been tasked once again to program a specially themed double bill for the ravenous hordes of mutants and madmen outside our projection room door. But Chris, we can't do it alone. So we've got a special guest programmer to help us out. Welcome to the drive-in, Ms. Victoria Tribble! <laughs> Bert, <Burt>. hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello. I got a goofy question for you. Yeah. You've probably been asked this a million times, but I'm a super huge Star Trek fan. So you you know what I'm going to ask, right? I, yes, you can ask it anyways, because yeah. we're friends. Do, do, do people make a lot of triple jokes? Oh, trouble with triples every mm-hmm. time of my life. Every yeah. male teacher I've ever had, when they do roll on the first day, is like, have you heard? I'm like, yes, I've seen yeah. that episode. But have you seen more tribbles, or what is it, more troubles, more tribulations? Uh, let me check my no, that's Star the, uh, Trek database. Yeah, I'm sorry, that's the uh, the DS9 <laughs> episode where they uh, they take the DS9 crew <laughs> back to the original episode. All right, let me ask you guys a, a really serious question. Stop fucking around. I'm so okay. Uh, Jesus. Would you rather have a Mogwai or a Tribble? Mm-hmm. I've got both. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we were in an alternate universe and I had a gun to your head and you had to pick one yeah, right you, now. There oh, you go. man, it's one of these <laughs> goddamn questions. Uh, I'm sorry. I, have, help I me. had a phaser to your head. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there we That's right. That's how it should work there. Miss um, Tribble, I would say that I would probably go with the Tribble because... I've been a Star Trek fan longer than I've been a Gremlins fan. Okay. And it's not to say that I'm not a Gremlins fan, because people that listen to this podcast know how much of a, <laughs> a Gremlins fan I am, but I am definitely a huge Trekkie, and I will not go by Trekker. I am original, OG Trekkie. What about you, Victoria? What would you What would you rather have? I'd have a trouble, but it's for... Like selfish reasons in Star Trek Into Darkness, they use the Tribbles like DNA to fix somebody. Oh yeah, that's right. They like take the DNA out of it and like shove it into Kirk or something. And that's he right. Lives, so I, I want infinite health. Boy, that just screams like they're just squeezing shit in just to do it, <laughs> doesn't it? Like you just go like, oh come on. I you know, uh, anybody watch Picard? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, I'm sorry. Today is what opposite day? Opposite day. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, uh, season three of Picard, the final season, everything. I have to say, the writing on this season is top notch. This last episode that they just released, which I think was like episode six or something, has so many Easter eggs stuffed into this episode, but it's done in a fashion that doesn't detract from the story at all and just kind of helps push everything along. 
I, I, I was like, oh, yes, thank you. Finally, they're getting back to good Trek. You still have, you're still sporting an erection from the watching that episode. <laughs> I, I, that's why I haven't stood yeah. in like three days. And because... that is impressive, Chris. Yes. Well, I've got to tell you. Oh! <sighs> we okay. Well, so you're officially the third member of of the podcast yes. now. Okay. <laughs> See, guys, I have a job finally. I'm not unemployed anymore. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. Yeah, no, there's no pay here. Well, <laughs> I get paid in friendship. So that's oh, cool. okay. Oh, is he? Yay! <laughs> that's a wonderful medium of exchange. <laughs> yeah. What about the Freds that they make along the way, Brandon? Uh, that's another show. Oh, that's a different show. That's I'm another sorry. show. And actually, you know what? We should go ahead and since we're there, we should do a little bit of business before we really get into sure, things. Sure. Sure. Um, uh, this is Dead City Drive-In, uh, as you now at this point know. Yes. Um, but look, if, if if you like the show, if you're listening to the show, it would be really rad if you went to uh, Apple Podcasts and rate and reviewed the show. Um, if you have something good to say, it'd be great. Also, you know, you can follow us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We're at uh, Dead City Drive-In. Uh, we're on Facebook at Dead City Drive-In. You can yeah. check us out at DeadCityDriveIn.com. Yeah. And you can write to the management at deadcitydrivein at gmail.com if you guys have any questions, concerns, or anything like that. And we of, like to hear from our listeners. And of course, let's also not forget, we have a Patreon. Yes. Patreon.com slash deadcitydrivein where we do all sorts of fun little bonus episodes in addition to these regular episodes. We've remember, got, you will always get your 10 episodes like we've always done with Dead City Drive-In for each season. But if you subscribe and become a Patreon member, you get almost an entire other season yeah during that season literally 10 new episodes of the show and we're not talking these bullshit five minute episodes i'm saying real deal you get commentaries are on there mm-hmm. we get these cool uh the celluloid celluloid catacomb episodes are mm-hmm. on there um we do uh the uh, shaving brandon's back episode <laughs> And we do, you know, all sorts of like best remakes. It's it's a lot of fun over there on our Patreon. Uh, so go on over there if you want and uh, throw a couple bucks. And hey, look, you're gonna have a good time. Anyway, okay. So now that the business is done, all right. let's get into this shit. Yeah, get into the we shit. We have a double feature to program, you guys. I brought and some boots, <laughs> Victoria. <laughs> you have you, you're our guest programmer, and you have mm-hmm. brought a pretty wild movie to the table. Um, and before we even jump into the movie, I have a question that I want to ask you guys that's not a triple gremlin question. <laughs> I want to know, Victoria. Yeah. What is the most evil thing that you have ever done as a child? That's hard. I was just telling Chris, I was a very goody two shoes little kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't like What happened? Trouble. I know, right? <laughs> I'm wearing crop tops, it's all downhill. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I. Okay. So, they my parents didn't find out about it until, like, recently when I told them as a joke. Um, but we had a Jeep, and I sat in the back because I was a child and lost, <laughs> and we got McDonald's one morning for breakfast. And you know how they have the little, like, milk cartons that come yeah. in? Um, I spilt that whole joint down the back of the seat. Like, like the, between, the, you know how the middle seat in the car, like I don't want to spill my separates? joint, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I spilt it down the crack. Now, on intentionally, in between no, the seats. on accident. Oh, but okay. This is where it gets bad. Though. Oh, all right. So I didn't say anything. I just let it all f- spill down there, and then like days go by, and we in, we're in Florida. It's hot. <laughs> Your car gets hot. <laughs> Milk and hot don't mix. <laughs> And so my parents were like, why does the car smell so bad? And I was like, uh, I don't know. 
<laughs> and so they bought a new car. What the because fuck? Because they couldn't figure out what it was. So they were like, fuck, we just got to sell it. And they just sold the car. <laughs> okay, that's pretty great. <laughs> well, think about it, too. She probably created a brand new form of life. <laughs> yeah, who knows what was breeding may, in there. It may, have, <laughs> yeah, it may have moved into our driving. Osmosis Jones was. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, there you go. Oh, my yeah. God. My Ooh, mom like worked curdling. at a car dealership. She still does. So it wasn't like we had to spend like too much on a car she got a deal but still making your parents buy a whole yeah, vehicle they still haven't been able to sell that car anywhere and people no. are like oh god it smells like bigfoot's dick <laughs> <laughs> yeah smells like, smells like a sumo wrestler took a dump on a burning tire rancid ass a diaper full of shrimp <laughs> <laughs> oh my god a diaper full of shrimp. how about you chris what's the, what's an evil thing that you did as a child that's pretty fucked up victoria yeah. i know <laughs> And I never did anything bad after that. <laughs> uh, well, I convinced an entire school that one of its former students was dead. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah. How old were you? Uh, 15, 14, 15. Okay. All right. All does right. Does that count? Or am I no, too old? No, it does count. You're technically a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What's well, the worst thing you ever did, Brandon, yeah. as a child? Uh, what did I, you do? I suffocated my brother in his sleep with a pillow. So that's why you're an only child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty evil. Yeah. We're a yeah. bunch of evil Brooklyn little bastards and, and, and sons of bitches. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. But. There is a place for me and my friends. <laughs> but there are some kids who do a lot worse shit than that. Uh, I thought I would make it kind of fun. Now, Victoria, you you, you host a, a true crime podcast. I did, yes. You did. Yeah. Uh, your prior show. <laughs> oh, yeah? You shut that down? I it, all the episodes are still op- available, but I just don't do it anymore. Moved for on. Mental health reasons. Yeah, you've moved. Well, a lot. <laughs> it's so funny because that I was like going to use a thing today, like a cool, like maybe a segue. I was like, I'm going to look up evil things that children have done, mm-hmm. and we can talk about it. And as I'm doing it, going through this true crime kind of shit, I'm like, my stomach starts churning, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, I guess I might have eaten another laxative. Oh, it's just kind of like yeah. this sucks. Like I don't I really want to talk about children murdering. It's like really bleak and awful and it happens more than you well this is something that we've talked about before you know there's a lot of horror fans out there that are also major fans of like true crime and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff me personally there was a time when i thought true crime was cool but as i've Mm -hmm. gotten older and i guess because now that i'm a father and everything like that i can't stand true crime I'm That's with you. I, I can't stand true crime. Yeah. I love horror film, and people kind of ask me. It's like, well, what's the difference, man? You like horror movies, but you don't like true crime? And I'm like, well, yes, because I like my horror fake. Yeah, one's an escape. I don't the like other thing my... is real. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, one is catharsis, and the other one is just fear-mongering. Yeah. And... I mean, more you hear than that, curiosity. Victoria, you fear mongerer. Um, listen, that's why I don't do it anymore. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I do get that, though. A lot of people who they like, there's a whole article on it about a lady who had kids and she was like, I can't watch it anymore because yeah. I yeah. have a life that I have to protect, which is totally like plausible. And that's why I had to stop doing it. And that's why I have a comedy podcast now. Yeah. Not because I had a kid. I don't want kids, but <laughs> <laughs> because my mental health was struggling researching that for like sure. four days out of the week yeah it's a it's just a bleak proposition I mean, honestly yeah. truth is so much stranger than fiction a lot of times too mm-hmm. yeah it's like yeah so we'll skip all of that yeah. shit and just jump <laughs> hey, is, right is, in is rotten.com still around oh i hope not uh, uh, uh. there's reddit 50 50 oh no okay. what's what's reddit 50 50 is that like is that like the new rotten.com yeah so you go it's a red there's a reddit page and it's like you could get a cat photo 
if you click this link or if you click this link, it's two girls, one cup. Oh, no. And so you have to take the risk and click it. Oh. So it's like chat and, roulette, but with yeah. like memes and videos yeah. and stuff? Yeah, but there are like, not because I know personally, but because I've seen people do it. Like, people put videos of people, like, getting beheaded and yeah. shit, or, like, getting in car accidents yeah. and stuff on there. It's rotted. Yeah. <laughs> it's rotted. <laughs> yeah, I've seen enough of Bud Dwyer committing suicide oh, God, that I don't yeah. ever need to see that kind of shit again yeah. for the rest of my life. Even the Faces of de- faces of Death, which I knew was fake, but they would intersperse, like, the real stuff in there, like, of just, like, a animal getting murdered. And that I'm was, like, one of my God. first midnight movies. Yeah, it was a that was a taboo for me as well. And you know I what? I have the original. By the way, let's let's go for that. Speaking of taboos, okay, <laughs> there seems to be nothing more taboo than uh, either killing a child or a child killing, and that's the double feature that we're going to program tonight. <laughs> Excellent, a killer kids double feature. Victoria, what movie have you brought to the table? I have brought the bad seed. I wish she were mine. Every time I look at her, I wish I had just such a little girl. This has been a terrible tragedy for Mrs. Daigle if she's lost her only child. Give me those shoes back. Oh, no, I got them shoes here where nobody but me can find them. Better give me those shoes, they're mine. Give them back to me. I believe you did it. What do you give me if I give you a basket of kisses? <laughs> I'll give you a basket of hugs. <laughs> I'll miss your hugs. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not letting the slightest degree. Really, knows what she's told of you. Don't mind me being presumptuous. I had a long talk with that guard since I saw you last. And that was a long, interesting conversation. He said he saw Rhoda on the pier just before Claude was found among the piling. She knows something all right. Did you have anything? I don't care how small it was. Did you have anything to do with the way Claude got drowned? What makes you ask that, Mother? Now look me in the eye and tell me the truth, because I must know. No, Mother, I didn't. You're not going back to the Fern School next year. They don't want you anymore. Okay. I'm going to call Miss Fern and have her come over here. You think I lied to you her? You did lie to her. But not to you, Mother, not to you. Cool. This movie was made in 1956. It was directed by Mervin. Mervin. Okay. Can't read. <laughs> that's, a, that's a that's a running bit I have is I'm illiterate. I can't on my podcast. I can't read. I thought so, you couldn't talk on that podcast. I also can't do that either. My life's hard. Okay. <laughs> Mervin Leroy. It's written by John Lee Mahin. I think that's right. Ma- Mahin, Mahin, yeah, sure. Mon. Yeah. Mon. Mon. Yeah, sure. That sounds Irish. Yeah. Um, it's based on a play, which I did know that, uh, by Maxwell Anderson. And the play was then became a novel, which was written by William March. A movie based off of a play, based <laughs> off of a book. Oh. <laughs> it's triple Based off of real life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, probably. Prob- probably. <laughs> uh, it starred Nancy Kelly. Patty McCormick, Henry Jones, and Evelyn Varden, to name the main people. Yeah. And then the synopsis is, Rhoda Penmark appears to be an average sweet eight-year-old girl, doted on by family and friends. But little Rhoda has secrets, and when a schoolmate dies under mysterious circumstances at a school picnic, Rhoda's sinister and murderous intentions begin to reveal themselves. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you pick the bad seed? 
because it's one of my favorite fucking movies of all time. Really? Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. Let's get into it. Why is this movie so great? Why does it deserve to be seen on a drive-in screen for a bunch of screaming mutants and maniacs? (laughs) That was so feral. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We do live in Florida. We do. Everything is feral Florida. Everything's feral here. Um... One of the reasons, to bring it back to Taboo, is that this movie covers so many topics that were not popular in the 50s to openly talk about in public. Um, There's a lot of talk about mental health, murder, uh, psychiatry as a practice. Two of the characters in this movie are, I think, psychiatrists or like practice in psychiatry. (laughs) Without a license. But yeah, yeah, they're they're (laughs) constantly throwing out all kinds of like psychological and psychiatric evidence. That sounds about like now. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Anybody with the psychology podcast? Yeah. WebMD. Right, WebMD. WebMD people. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and like suicide. Suicide. Yeah. Just in like, I think. Teenage suicide. Don't. Don't do it. Don't. 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 I think in like for the it was fifty six. So because I for some reason when I first saw this I thought it was made in the sixties and it was set in the fifties. But no, they made it in the fifties, which makes complete sense. And children in the fifties were supposed to be seen and not heard. Yeah. And she is the opposite of that. No shit. (laughs) Rhoda is like I'm gonna be seen and heard. Yeah. Every time you see me in a room, sadly, (laughs) I'm gonna be the last thing you see. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, on this earth, <laughs> she does far too much. She's doing far too much. Um, this I love the way that this movie opens because it opens with her on the piano, and she's playing her little song Claire de Lune, which they play several times during the movie. Uh, and they set her up to be like at the very jump of the movie. They're like. She's the perfect child. Like, they say it. It's not, like, implied. <laughs> and they're like, she's the perfect child. She doesn't like to get dirty. Her shoes don't scuff anything. She's A-plus in school. She plays the piano. And, <laughs> and she's always like, yes, mommy. No, mommy. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. She curtsies every exactly. time she m- greets and exits the room. <laughs> <laughs> you know immediately something's up with this girl. Yeah, I'm like, is this fucking 1482? Is this the Tudors? What are, what are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> and they make it a point to say she doesn't like to wear pants and that she's a very, quote unquote, old fashioned soul. <laughs> because apparently wearing pants is the new thing for girls now. Yeah. Um, and she's God like, damn it, this world's going to shit. <laughs> girls wearing pants? What girls is this world? Girls in trousers, how dare you? As I say, sitting here in jeans. We should pass a law that says if a woman wears pants, <laughs> she she's impersonating vote. a man. <laughs> she can't vote. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I love that this movie is set in an apartment building. Because a lot of films in the 50s are set in homes, i.e. like To Kill a Mockingbird, any other movie that's the only fucking 50s movie I can think of off the top of my head. It makes everything feel more interconnected. Like everyone's in everyone's business. You're right. It's kind of like like Rear Window has that vibe too because that's Mm -hmm. set in an apartment and it's, I mean, literally all about voyeurism and and spying on your neighbors and whatnot. Well, there's a certain practicality too that I think of it being set in that kind of place too because this was originally based off of a stage play. Mm -hmm. And of course, a stage play, it's very difficult, you know, depending upon the, the scale. Like straight plays as opposed to musicals, there's not a lot of scene shifts where you're moving 
location and everything too. So the fact that it all happens kind of in that is like an interesting carryover, but it creates that kind of claustrophobic atmosphere as well. Mm-hmm. I think it makes you uncomfortable because there's so much going on in this little building. Yeah. Because like when you're in a house and especially in like a mansion, if it's like Clue, you're just running around. You have so many rooms. You can just yeah, like if noises something... off all the doors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're somebody's trying to kill you, you can just run to like the other 75 rooms you have. Right. You live in an apartment. You have your one room and a neighbor. And if your neighbor doesn't like you or your groundskeeper fucking hates you. Yeah. <laughs> like this yeah. movie, you're screwed. Like in it. It's so it's. It's a lot packed into this one little thing, but there's a lot packed into this little movie. So sure. <laughs> it makes sense. Uh, the dad goes off to war. I thought, he, no, he's at a desk. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. thought they, he was like, I'm going. They make it sound like he's going to be gone for forever. He's going off to be like a colonel or something in Washington, D.C. How long is he gone for? Like, what is, I, what's weeks. the time spent? It's four weeks four in this weeks. movie? Okay. Yeah. that's Well, he said it's, it's going to be at least four weeks. So that's what he had said. <laughs> but you know uh which is a lot for all this happening four weeks for all of this that goes down in the yeah, movie yeah a lot of shit That's goes lot. down in well, four little weeks little rhoda is busy 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 yeah she got shit to do mm-hmm. um i got people to kill i got shit to do <laughs> in my dress mm-hmm. and the, to bring up her dresses she never wears the same dress twice and i think that's very interesting is it a different it's a different, it's dress a different outfit time. in every scene yeah which to me like plays fashion on parade that but i think it plays on her perfection thing okay yeah. all right her, her, that's her whole thing because she knows she knows that she has no feelings yeah yeah she knows that she has to try to be perfect in mm. order to yeah, it's all artifice you know the ruse yeah there you go the ruse aunt monica don't like her very annoying can she not talk <laughs> <laughs> anymore <laughs> she is man she's that, that's the lonely one right but the, she, the, no, well she's, she's the, the landlord lady. yeah the landlord yeah. right 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 she's not related to them at she all. just lives upstairs but yeah. she dotes on that little girl right yeah. she's opening of the movie she gives her a locket and what else sunglasses that mm-hmm. are encrusted in rhinestones oh <laughs> wow you know if this were in the, the early 2000s this little girl would be driving uh, a Volkswagen uh, Beetle with a diamond encrusted license plate that says Princess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with the eyelashes on the headlights. With the eyelashes and on the headlights, yeah. yeah. All right. What are those cars for kids that they drive? Power wheels. Oh, Power wheels. Power yes, wheels. four on the floor. No, that's Tonka truck. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, there are four wheels, and yeah, they okay. are on the floor. Okay. <laughs> that's just not the right. <laughs> Sorry, Tonka. Um, then we're introduced This episode to... no longer sponsored by Tonka. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wasn't but at Hot the beginning. Wheels is calling. <laughs> Hot Wheels, hey. <laughs> and Mattel, we got to call with him afterwards. Yes. So. Yeah. Oh, my God. You guys should get toys made, like action, like pop figures. Oh you guys, that'd be so fucking lit. I gotta, I gotta lose some weight for. Her. No, you're perfect. Just the way you honestly, are, it'll be like a fat belly and then a little head instead of a little body and a. Big That's what fat all Funko head. Pops look like. I know the bodies on Funko Pops are like this big. Yeah, yeah, I know. And yeah. for me, it would have to be a big body no. and a small head. Or actually, probably a big body and a big head because I do have a large head. Well, why don't we just call it Chris Prime? It'll be just like when we first met. Oh, okay. it'll be our like how we looked when we first met each other. <laughs> so when you bring them to conventions to get them signed by these guys, yeah, they're not gonna. Look yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> it's like when I went to get Shatner's autograph and stuff like that. It's like, oh wow, this is like your 1966 headshot. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sick. Then we meet Leroy. He just bust in. Uh, Le- Leroy's the gardener, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. is the weird gardener that. 
the landlord does not like and she makes it a point to say that she does not like him because he has quote the intelligence of an eight-year-old but he has a family so i'm lenient on him okay so he's like the ernie hudson character in the hand that rocks the cradle (laughs) yeah but like she's just out the gate mean to this man yeah 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 well he's pretty mean too though and he makes some very big mistakes and his oh, joke, he his joking. Yeah, he shouldn't make the kind of jokes he makes. He like full and like. Well, like when you first see him too, and he walks in and he's got like that squeegee thing, like he's got to go get my my chamois in my bucket, <laughs> and then he's like he's looking at like the mom and he's looking at the little girl and he's like stroking the handle <laughs> of that Ew. fucking squeegee. So oh, yeah. it's yeah. nasty. Look, they're setting him up so that when the thing that happens to him happens, you're not you don't feel too bad. Yeah. You know, you're not like, well, he was such a nice guy. It's like, not really. Yeah, yeah. Out of everyone that dies in this movie, I don't care about him. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably best that he went. Yeah, for the Especially best. Especially after he's squirting the girl with his hose. Yeah. <laughs> when they leave, so they're going for a picnic. There's like a school picnic or whatever. And they're leaving. That's like the jump of this movie. So yeah. dad goes to... I put quotes around war. He went to D.C. He went to D.C. But I think it's fun to say he went to war. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it adds spice. Um... And so they're going to walk to the park to go to the school picnic that Rhoda's supposed to go to. And he squirts her with a water hose. <laughs> <laughs> like, on purpose. <laughs> and then he has a whole monologue to himself, to camera. Yeah, of course. About how terrible. Oh, he's how like, theatrical. Yeah. He's like, the mom, this, this mom, I'm going to, while the dad's gone, I'm going to get with the mom and this daughter's smart as shit. <laughs> she sees through me. And I'm like, okay. She's smart and mean, but I'm smart and mean, too. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, why are you, you have a wife and children, sir. Why are you trying? what (laughs) i'm just lonely okay i am too but i don't care (laughs) that hard my squeegee handle (laughs) he's always holding something pole like yeah whether it's a a hoe or a squeegee or he holds that hoe (laughs) (laughs) i was waiting for it i gave you you set him up and i knock him down i know see (laughs) how it is comedy geniuses (laughs) that's what you come to this show for (laughs) high high comedy highbrow comedy um so yeah, and then they go to the picnic, and the mom starts questioning the fucking teacher, and she's like, hey, is my daughter normal? <laughs> <laughs> like, I get she gets good grades and everything, but, like, do the kids like her? And mm. she's like, uh, <laughs> I mean, well... kind of. Sure, define like. <laughs> and she's just like, well, she's just, like, more mature, and that's the big theme that keeps coming up through this movie and that the mom brings up is like she is scarily adult yeah well can we take a second and talk about that because yeah. the one thing no we can't okay I'm sorry. well thank you for listening <laughs> good night thanks end of the podcast <laughs> thank you outro <laughs> i um the one thing that i'm t- taken by in this movie is the the two leads of the film mm-hmm. their performances but we'll, let's just start with patty mccormick as yeah. little rhoda it is truly an adult performance. Mm-hmm. It's what like what could it's like a uh, Haley Joel Osment in the in the sixth sense. Maybe maybe the dramatic heft isn't there. Like like you know how Haley does things that are really subtle in that movie where you're like God damn that's like mm-hmm. a or uh, uh, even in AI he does that where you're yeah. like Jesus Christ that's like a fucking like eighty year old man <laughs> acting. Um, but she does something very similar throughout the movie. Her command of language. 
like enunciation, uh, spa- space. Well, cinematic acting as well. I mean, the, the things mm-hmm. that she does with her face, because, you know, she's got all these different masks that she switches from. But like one of the things that I, I caught watching this in her performance was where are her eyes in those particular moments where mm-hmm. she's very, very still and poised <sighs> and stuff. But she's looking around the set and everything. And there's there's a, like a very, very sinister intelligence. That's, Dude, that's she happening. is working so, oh, so yeah. mm-hmm. like. Like like an adult, and now she originated the role I'm right on Broadway, yeah, this, yeah. as well as uh, Nancy Kelly. They both yeah. performed mm-hmm. this role on stage. Um, but and I and if I'm not mistaken, well, maybe so was Patty. But I know wasn't Nancy nominated for an Academy Award for this film? I that believe I so. I think she was nominated for was. an acting for Best Actress. Uh, and um, it, uh, but Patty McCormick's, I, I just cannot. It's the one thing that I can be drawn to the most of this movie is is her performance is electric. It's yeah. really powerful. Woogie 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 woogie. <laughs> anyway, it's just a it's an incredibly mature performance, and I that it makes it worth maybe the watch alone. Absolutely, you know? mm-hmm. yeah. She's yeah. Amazing. I watched a documentary she was in recently. It's the Eli Roth series he did. Okay, I forgot what history it's, of horror. Yeah, they do an episode on. Killer kids, so it's her. It's Patty McCormick, Linda Blair, Haley Joe Osment, and Millie Shapiro from Hereditary, and they all come in and they talk about being. Like, Millie Shapiro is also a Broadway actress. She was in Matilda. She yeah. originated one of the four Matildas. Yeah. Um, and they had all them on, and she Patty McCormick was saying how she was a kid surrounded by adults, and the effect that she had on them, she because again, kids in the fifties meant to be seen, not heard. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to talk. And so, because she, like, the faces she makes and the effect that she had on people, she was like, I was able to scare adults <laughs> all the time just by Give looking. me the motherfucking shoes! Exactly. Dude, and, and <laughs> when she does that, it's insane. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it, her command breakdowns command. and her fucking incredibly yeah. impressive. Yeah. In, incredibly eats. impressive. It's her movie and she knows it. Yeah. So, yeah, and then... The fucking, <laughs> they're at the picnic, and then the mom is having like a dinner with the landlady and these two dudes. I don't know what her relation to these men are. I think they're well, just friends. Well, one of them is her brother. Like it's the landlady's brother. Oh, okay. So Monica's brother is Norton. Is that what his name was? And then the other guy was just honestly. I think the two men are in a relationship. I could see that. There was just there were things that kept happening during that where I'm like, these guys are together. But the other dude is a writer. Mm-hmm. He's a writer, uh, just like I guess the father. Yeah, of... her dad. Because when he the dad comes over later, yeah. he like Paul Fix. Yeah, he's yeah. Um, so during this scene, we start to realize that like the mom's uh, mental sanity is not great because <laughs> she starts asking the writer dude who writes specifically about like criminals in psychology to bring it back to true crime. True crime. Yeah, and. <laughs> They ask the landlady is like, why don't you like true crime? And she's like, I don't really like to surround myself with stuff like that. And just murder and everything is too much, which is crazy because that's what her whole life becomes. So it's foreshadowing. <laughs> um, and then she starts giving her this weird like 
like psych evaluation where she's like have him talk and then just say the first thing that comes to your head i want to figure out what's wrong with you and Free I'm association like, kind of bullshit yeah yeah maybe. i was like if i went to a party a cocktail meeting with my friends and she was like let's have a therapy session i'd be like what the fuck <laughs> what's now? going on this is not the time i'm intoxicated yeah um <laughs> so she starts telling him about a dream she had where she thinks that she's adopted which comes up later. <laughs> yeah, that imposter yep. syndrome and everything. Yeah, but, but you know, here to kind of jump on on the point that you're making about like this whole idea of analysis happening and everything too. At this point in history, I guess the 1950s, psychotherapy, you know, the teachings of Freud and of course later on Jung and everything like that had been around for about 60, 70 years. But the way that this movie treats this idea of analysis and everything mm-hmm. is that, it, you know, it's a novelty. It's it's like a fad. Yeah, it's kind of like in, in Psycho, like at the end of Psycho, the way that well, the guy level, explains. Like skepticism, you know, that yeah. everybody's like, you know, well, I don't necessarily believe that and sure. everything. But like the questions here is this is where the seeds planted for later on of questions of nature versus nurture, which is yeah. still... A major theme in, you know, rearing of children and why people do the things that they do. You know, are you born bad or is it something that, you know, you learn how to do? Sure. Very true. And I don't know if the question ever really truly gets answered in this movie. No, it doesn't. It's it's pretty, it's pretty open-ended. Yeah. Um, So she kills a kid at a picnic. Yeah. Claude, Claude, (laughs) Claude Daigle. (laughs) Yeah. Claude Daigle, the neighbor boy. Um. Well, why did Claude Daigle die? He died because he won a, a medal for a paper he wrote. Yeah. And she wrote it with like, it should have been my medal. And she says it before they leave for the picnic. And she's like, it should have been mine. I should have won it. And I know my paper was better. And so they get an announcement on the radio. They're like, damn, this boy dead. That sucks. <laughs> but at least it wasn't Rhoda. Rhoda comes home. The mom's like, how am I supposed perfect to Rhoda. Yeah. She's still alive. They're like, I mean, honestly, they probably wish it would have been her. Yeah, later um, on, for sure. And the mom's like trying to figure out how to explain death to her. And Rhoda's just like, yeah, he uh-huh. died. It was interesting. Yeah. it was. We saw him get pulled out of the water and try to get resuscitated. It was fascinating. Can I have a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> Can I go skating? Yeah. And then she's kind of like. I'll take a juice box now. Yeah, she's like, can I eat my sandwich and go skate? And then Leroy's like, why are you skating around? This boy just died. And she says, I wrote the quote down. Why should I feel sorry? It was Claude Daigle who got drowned, not me. Uh, I mean, honestly, points, but maybe don't say that out loud. (laughs) For a child to say, for an eight-year-old to be saying that, it's a little disconcerting. Yeah, but she thinks she's smarter than Leroy, so it's like... yeah. Well, Leroy's she, been she on kind of shit well, the whole this, time. There's this, this, this class thing that kind of yeah, plays Leroy's along, really too. You know, there's mm-hmm. still this definitive like class division here where it's you know upper class versus yeah. lower class. Yeah, the gardener. And then, that, and then that plays out a little bit later, too, mm-hmm. when Mrs. Daigle shows up at their house. I love that actress <laughs> so much. Yeah. Holy shit. She acted. She said, I only get two scenes in this movie. Y'all yeah. go fucking remember Is me. Is that Evelyn Varden? No, it's Eileen Heckert. Oh, Eileen Hecker. She okay, needs. she's only in the. Two, she's got like ten minutes of screen time, right? Like, it, she's, but she commands two monologues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit that she's she gets on two there. monologues, and she, <clears> says, she plays I'm a done. great drunk. Yeah, too. Angela Bassett, eat your heart out. Angela Bassett did the thing. She gets two monologues. Angela just got the one. Damn. <laughs> she needs to. She's a black queen. She's the queen of Wakanda. She can do whatever she wants. <laughs> Wakanda forever. Yes. Um. So the teacher comes over. 
to like talk about like what happened and the teacher knows straight off the jump that Rhoda had something to do with it because yeah. everyone there is like, and this goes back to the beginning when they were like, she doesn't like to wear jeans. She, they were like, she was the only one at the picnic who had a dress on. And the lifeguard said they saw somebody with a dress down at the thing. They told everybody not to go down to the shore. And she was the only one down there with him. And she was the last one to see him alive. And uh, the teacher is like in a coy way trying to be like, I think your daughter did it, but I don't want to come out and say your daughter's a killer because I'm like super religious and that's against yeah, my, sure, sure. my my ethics. Well, also, too, if word gets out, you know, it's like people don't want to come to my school. Exactly. Yeah. kids here. Yeah. Uh, and then the wow, it's actually very similar to sleepaway camp in that regard. <laughs> yeah, she's like the Mel of of the sleepaway camp. Like, oh, I don't want my I don't care about these kids getting killed, but uh, I want my but camp I don't want to, to see Patty McCormick's dick. Yeah. <laughs> it's a mommy's boy that lives in the woods, but we can't tell anybody about right, it. Right, right. Now, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? The British are coming. Oh, shit. <laughs> the Paul rats Revere. are coming. The werewolves are here. Oh, God. Oh, God. Now, Chris, you understand that we're doing a show. Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> but the person that called me does not understand that. <laughs> we should have answered. Yes. <laughs> you should have put him on blast on the pod. Put him on speakerphone. No, phone. it's my old man. I, don't, I hope nothing's wrong. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's like he's calling me at 9 o'clock at night. Damn. Sorry, Dad. Hey, can I bring something up? Because there was, a, there was one point you could like, and I wrote this down. Well, I'll be a middle-aged mongoloid from Memphis. (laughs) (laughs) One of the characters has a line like that where he just goes, he he says that out loud. And I'm like, that's the actual line? Yeah. Yes. Well, Well, I'll I'll be be a a middle-aged mongoloid mongoloid from Memphis. Memphis. I love the word Wow. That's like, well, got the name for our new album. Hell yeah. (laughs) Memphis mongoloid? Fuck PC, man. (laughs) That eats, bro. Make a band. My little baby is a mongoloid. Can't play that song anymore, can you? Middle-aged mongoloid from Memphis. Okay, sorry. The two people on the band are brother and sister. Anyway, <laughs> uh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> um, so the teacher is talking to her. Blah blah blah. She's trying to get her to like reveal where this medal is because they're like he had a medal on him and it's nowhere. And the mom wants it to like put on her son's dead body, which is very sad. And then the mom busts in. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> I really thought they were going to fight. Um, but she comes in, does this great monologue about how Rhoda's mom is seen as, like, more upper class and that everyone in the neighborhoods looked down on her. And now that her, like, one, her one son was, like, the one thing keeping her together. And now that he's gone, she's just, like, off the fucking rails. Yeah. She's drinking to deal with it. The husband is like, I don't know what to do with her. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's too much. And this is, like, th- not even 24 hours. After he died. This is all happening. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like the next day. So quickly. Yes. Also, side note, the mom, Rhoda's mom in this scene, her skirt has pockets and that's fire. Because <laughs> usually dresses and skirts now are starting to incorporate pockets, but females don't. We don't have pockets most of the time. <laughs> well, she had to, something to s- stuff her Valium into. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, the yeah, so... At the end of this, it's basically like, I don't know where the medal is. Rhoda told me everything that she knows. It's fine. But this is a great example of the taboos of, like, mental health and grief and stuff like that. Because the mom is drinking herself into oblivion, which is what a lot of people do. Well, she says it flat out, too, that she's doing it to numb the pain. Yeah. Yeah. No hiding that. uh, So now, as an audience member, we're like, maybe Rhoda did murder (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, think the story's starting to crack here. I think, yeah, yeah I think we're figuring it I out. I mean, all bit. the clues are there that yeah. kind of point in that direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the audience, I think, is supposed mm. to figure everything out way ahead of the people in this movie. Well, I mean, you're going to see the movie, you already know what's up. Yeah, you yeah know, it's the bad sure. scene. Well, you're, a kid, you're, so. you're taking the ride along with the mom, I think, yeah. too, is that, you know, sure. you are, you don't want to believe it, but you know somewhere deep down that, yeah, she's responsible for this. And it's, I think that's, you know, the cracking of the mom. Is is the whole well? It's very theatrical in its presentation, right? Oh, sure. I, like it's because it's not written like an actual screenplay would be written. It's very much an adaptation of a stage play. Oh, it's very theatrical. Yeah, and this is still that era where that's you, you can tell. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. like it maybe maybe even to the detriment of the film itself. Mm-hmm. The idea that like it's not quite its own thing. Yeah, it's still. I Beholden. can still argue points on that too. Yeah, in that uh, something that you know, we'd kind of mentioned before the podcast and everything, the Hayes Code. Yeah, l- what, let's talk about that. Okay, uh, the Hayes Code. I guess what was nineteen thirty something like that. Thirty two, I think. Um, mm, and they yeah. didn't really start enforcing it until like thirty four and everything. But um, a lot of people, primarily the Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Catholics. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, it can't be it's Catholics. But um, in the 30s and everything, there was really no kind of filter on what it was that you could make film-wise. I mean, you know, sex, mm-hmm. violence, all that. It was all fair game. And then all of a sudden, you get a bunch of Catholics up in arms, clutching their pearls over all these just morally objectionable things. It's the devil. <laughs> exactly. They're putting the devil in the movie screen. <laughs> and they started going to their representatives and members of government and everything saying, you need to do something about those heathens in Hollywood. Probably what they were saying was those damn Jews. It was probably <laughs> what they were saying. But anyway, you need to do something about these Hollywood people because they're just tearing the moral fabric to pieces in the United States. So Hollywood did what it could do and said, well, we'll police ourselves. And thus the Hayes Code, you know, or colloquially known as the Hayes Code, was put into effect where um, simple things like you couldn't portray violence on scene or on screen uh, to a certain level. You couldn't show blood. Uh, People couldn't sleep in the same bed. Exactly. You couldn't sleep in the same bed. You couldn't really, you know, be disrobed in certain situations. No toilets. Uh, Yes. Nothing having to do with bodily functions. Uh, Also, that if there was crime or criminals portrayed in the film, it could not be showed in a positive light. They must get their comeuppance. Everybody has to get their comeuppance. Yes. So those were like, you know, the basics. And for this particular film, if you look at the book... And you look at the stage play, all of those things are intact in that story. I mean, mm-hmm. they really drive those points home. But when you try to portray this in film, you've got to contend with the Hayes Code. And one of the things by adapting the stage play uh, really does allow them to skirt some of these issues with the Hayes Code. Because think about it. All the violence takes place off screen. Yeah. So having this all in one location, you know, she's at the park, okay? And granted, we do see the park in the film and everything, but really we don't know about 
We don't see the, the thing occur. Death. Yeah, That's right. we hear about it right. on the radio. Well, or tell them. They tell them. Show. Right. Talk about <laughs> it on the radio. You know, and all the things that happen. Yeah. You know, really kind of happen outside of the house, and then they're discussed inside the confines of the house, which is kind of a very clever way to kind of skirt some of these issues. You know, we can kind of talk about it. We don't necessarily have to show it, or at least to a certain extent, because they do try to kind of push it a little bit in some mm-hmm. of the places in this film. But, um, you know, that is one way that I think it being a stage adaptation allows for them to kind of still keep a lot of these juicy bits in there, but just done in a fashion where you can skirt the Hayes Code. Yeah. It's very dialogue heavy. It is. Yeah. It is. It. And it, I mean, and it, is a, it is a long film, <clears throat> it you is. know, because it's of that. Hours. It's a very long film. Um, and but so, well, and that's the thing, like, let's maybe we can jump ahead to some of the more juicier yeah. bits. Yeah. I do want to bring in, though, before like when we get to it, um, I think we'll go. We could go spoilers on this one. Yeah. I think it's fair to talk about the came ending out, and like everything. a thousand years ago. Yeah. Fine. So, <laughs> but I want to save it to at least till we get to the end. But about the Hayes Code, I think we have a funny point that we want to make like when we get there because there is like a very ironic thing in having to be so beholden to that code mm-hmm. in that by the time the end of the movie occurs, it's actually that much more shocking. <laughs> uh, maybe even literally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here all week. Um, okay. Yeah, so, so her dad comes. Yeah. The, the grandpa. Not the dad, but the grandpa. The mom's dad. Yeah, the yeah, mom's right, dad. Right, right. Or dad in quotes. In quotes <laughs> for this movie. Um, and... They're basically talking, and he's. She's like, "Dad, tell me straight up, am I adopted? Like, <laughs> I've had this feeling. That's literally all she's ran off of is a dream she had in a farmhouse." And he's like, "It was good enough for Joseph in the Bible." <laughs> I know. <laughs> they run on a dream. That's what we're all here on TVH. Um, <laughs> uh, and he doesn't say, "Yeah." But him not answering is enough. And she's like, okay, yeah, I am. But thanks for being my dad. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like one of the very only heartfelt moments in this entire movie. Like positive heartfelt. Yeah, yeah where you're yeah, like, yeah. I that's mean, not... it's sad, but like her life sucked before. But like, you know. Well, because, you know, one of the old queens, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. But, you know, Tasker and <laughs> Emery, Tasker, the writer and stuff, he wrote a story mm-hmm. uh, that also her father had been involved in a newspaper story and covered mm-hmm. it about this woman who was insane and killed a bunch of people. Killed a bunch of people, and then they took the daughter away from her. And, and it turns yeah. out she's the daughter. She's the daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's where the whole argument of is it nature, not nurture, comes in because the mom is convinced that Rhoda, since she is has the same genetics as her birth mother, that she was just born evil. I wait. Do we say that seed. her birth mo- mother is a Serial Murderer? killer? Yeah. Did we say that? We just did. Yeah, oh, we just, okay. We just okay. Did. <laughs> yeah, her birth mom's a serial killer. Did we just say that she's a serial killer? Sorry. What? <laughs> that joke didn't land at all. I, oh, I'm stupid. No, I got it. I just it. think I, I just it. zoned out. When you, when I, I don't know no, how I missed okay. you guys saying that. <laughs> we oh. said it kind of fast. And we should mention that she's a serial killer. Yeah. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. But, yeah, I mean... Yeah, but she's yeah, she's a serial killer. Yeah, right. <laughs> so Rhoda's grandmother shared the blood. Which is also yeah. kind of weird because typically it's not women. It's not there as somebody who was ingrained in true crime as a teenager, it's there aren't a whole lot of women that do it. Yeah. I think there are, they just don't get caught because we're fucking I mean, Warner's Right, man. there you um, go. <laughs> she got if caught. You make, yeah. If you make uh our Charlize home, Theron, you know, ugly. She can get an Oscar. Our That's home, how every, every our home girl, an Oscar. homegrown Florida more, more Eileen. Snot, get that snot going. Yeah. 
Okay, so the yeah. concern is, and because Rhoda's mom is kind of in denial that Rhoda murdered this boy, she knows because she goes to her little box that she keeps all her jewelry in, mm-hmm. and she finds the medal that this little boy had, which Rhoda had said she did not have. And she finds those shoes. The shoe, the shoes, the shoes are so important in this yeah. movie. Um, and they make it. New they, shoes. New sh- <laughs> Come on, new shoes. Shoes. Let's get some shoes. Let's These party. Do you know cool. that song? These no. shoes suck. Oh. What song is that? It's from early YouTube. It yeah. was like, it's called the Shoes Song. Oh, I'll play no. it for you after we're okay. off mic. Okay. Was, it, was it Liam Lynch? Yeah. Oh, was, oh my God. These Liam? shoes suck. Yeah. These shoes rule. These shoes rule. These shoes suck. Okay, then I probably Here know it. Here at Pleasant Valley Road in Santa Rosa. <laughs> you know well, Liam's like great friends with Ringo, and Ringo plays on all of his albums. Ringo Starr? Yeah. You know, Ringo Starr's an artist, and he makes art that looks like it's drawn by a fucking five-year-old? Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> most famous people that didn't get famous as uh, uh, painters or art, like art, have the shittiest art that you'll ever see. I mean, <laughs> I love him. Way, surprisingly interesting work, George W. Bush. Does he? Yeah, he Which did, one That's is all he that? does is paints. Yeah. He's, he was the good president. <laughs> I wasn't alive for any of it. Yeah. <laughs> I was born. Anybody before 99, I'm like, who the fuck? <laughs> Trump, yeah. Trump, Trump made him look good. Yeah, you're well, right. Well, it was the 2000 election that he was, you know. Oh, so I was alive. Yeah, I just you were wasn't there. Yeah. conscious. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was one. Uh, okay, so. Yeah. We're now, yeah, so Rhoda's mom is for sure like she killed this boy. Yeah. After she finds the medal. I think it like sears it in her but head. But she catches her in a bunch of lies too. And I know yeah. you're, why don't lie to me. Yeah, she shakes the shit out of her daughter. Oh, mommy, <laughs> the you're shoulder. the best mommy in the whole world. Ew, the she scene where she's like, her stroking up. her face like, like don't this. Don't touch me. That, that is one of the creepiest. Those are murderer hands. Thing. It, there's just hands. something so like uh, uh, grotesque, gaslighty about it too, and and like to see a child. Mm-hmm. Doing it to a mo- like the the manipulation mm-hmm. is very unsettling because she knows she's caught. Yes, and so she's and going like, overboard with the like, "What would you give me for a basket of kisses?" Is what she says. Ew, the bush, is it a basket a or a bag bush? of dicks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we want to go eat a bag of dicks, child. Now, is that the same scene um, with the where she does this where she goes um, when we buy a new house? Um, isn't that that's is that or is that earlier it's one of those because there's a bunch of scenes yeah, it happens like three or four times isn't there in the a movie? scene like i'm trying to like where she says like well i guess we have to move again she like assumes i think it's the scene where they're on the couch and her mom's just yes. like, i don't know what i'm gonna do well when we buy a new house can we make sure it's a house that has blo- like we have to move because i've killed these people yeah is basically what she said it's so creepy it's so she's scary looking yeah she looks in fucking sane. She does, especially when she's like, just be honest with me. And she's on the couch and she's like, I hit him with the shit. That mono- yeah, little monologue she does. Yes. Where she's just like smashing the couch with her hands. Are you sure it wasn't a stick? A stick. You oh, hit yeah. Him with a stick Leroy. and then washing, washing the blood off, but they put the powder on it and it turns blue. <laughs> That's a good Leroy impression. Um, <laughs> well, my father's middle name is Leroy. Oh, God. That's him. So this was based off. That's why he was calling you. He found. He fucking Probably. found out. Oh he found the stick. The stick bloodhounds found it. The stick bloodhounds. <laughs> he's calling you because he's like, I'm trapped in my apartment, burning down. <laughs> Get Jesus. me the fuck out of here. In the shoes, yeah, and the shoes become a big thing because they say that they have. He had like little moon imprints on yeah. his head, and she says at the very beginning of the movie that she had these special things put on the heels of her Mary Jane mm. so that she wouldn't scuff the floors. Yeah, and so it's like. 
perfectly matches the top of her shoes. As somebody who's a frequent Mary Jane wearer, I know the shape of Mary Jane. <laughs> a 23-year-old that still wears And as a frequent Mary Jane user. Oh, I can... yeah, that's weed, right? Uh, yeah. I'm I agree. So it not... looks like a moon. <laughs> yes, it looks like a moon, Yeah, man. man. It looks like a fucking moon. <laughs> you see the fucking tarot card moon. in his forehead? He's a goddamn Sailor He's Moon cat. Two moons <laughs> in his forehead. It's beautiful. It's a symbol. So they're like, get rid of the fucking shoes. Because Rhoda tries to sneak out and throw... I don't know why this building has an incinerator. I think it's like a trash chute. Yeah. Yeah. But... That, to me, that well, just they use it for weird. heating. Yeah, I mean, oh, okay. to warm the apartment. Yeah, so but you, at the same time, you know, you can, you can also stuff. dispose shit in there too. Yeah, so Rhoda and Freddy Krueger runs the whole thing. Oh my god, <laughs> Leroy Freddy is Kruger. Freddy Krueger. Oh my god, my god, the boiler room. Shit. And he gets burned at the end. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, origin story. <laughs> Son of a thousand maniacs. Oh my god, we figured it out. Son of a thousand maniacs. It could be his dad. Freddy Krueger's dad is. Well, we never really learned. Freddy Krueger's dad is a hundred different sperms. What? Uh, Freddy Krueger's mom was, was a, a nun, nun who is uh, sexually assaulted by a hundred different men in an insane asylum, and Freddy Krueger is born. So uh, the way it works, I don't know if you know anything about uh, how a baby is born, but yeah. that's Vaguely. exactly how it works. A yes. hundred different men can impregnate you. At the, <laughs> at, same the same time, time. at the same time? And you become a mega sperm. Yes, and, and become a Freddy, exactly. Freddy yes. Krueger. Yeah, so Leroy is one. No, I think Leroy is Freddy. Actually, Fred Leroy Krueger. Yeah, <laughs> let's just say it. That was a Fred stretch, Leroy? and I appreciate it. Good job, Fred Lee Kruger. Yeah, Fred Lee Kruger. Fred Lee Kruger. Okay. Kroger. okay. Um, Why is Kroger here? What? No, the grocery going, store. Oh. Yeah, is it's it here, here now. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. in the walls. Um, <laughs> it's in the fucking walls. Damn carpetbaggers. Um. For some reason, I thought you said carpet muncher, and I was like, "How does that have anything to do with?" I don't what know. What you want to talk about? about? <laughs> no, I just my brain. I just heard the word wrong. I'm sorry. Um, so, That's okay. I mean, between like stroke and your squeegee and munching carpet, I mean, it's, it's fine. you got to cover all the bases. Exactly. Um, We're an equal opportunity offender. We are. Um, put whatever you want in your mouth here on the Disney <laughs> Drive-In Podcast. Well, I'll tell you what, Tasker and Emily from this movie sure are. Oh. oh. <laughs> uh, so they go to burn the shoes. She's like, just go throw the fucking shit. The mom's just like, we're covering it up. Yeah, just we got to do it. She's fully just like, yeah. I'm not going to let anybody hurt you. You're not going to jail, whatever. Because she is concerned. She's manipulated. She's concerned. It's not her fault. No, but she's going crazy. She thinks yeah. that because she had a baby. That's, I think, a lot of the things that is problems with true crime is that these moms try to take up for their kids so fucking hard. And I get it. It's your kid. But, yeah. like, well, once also, they're out of you, they are not you. In sure, this particular, sure. you know I mean? in this particular well, case, though, she feels responsible. I know. that. That's but what I'm saying that's, is the problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing, Victoria. I see this a lot. I mean, this is, this is a... It's like the ego-mindedness of a parent. The notion that, like, there's... It's... You said it perfectly. It's not you. Mm-mm. You contributed to the creation of this thing. Yeah. But it's not you. So, like, the you know, when parents just get upset because their kid has chosen this or they have gone this way in their lives or they have um, come out as this or whatever it is, I always see when people get upset, it feels like it's because they're like, whoa, it's a reflection on me. And it's like, it's like look, no. it, maybe, but no, like well, this takes us back to the whole nature versus nurture mm-hmm. argument, right. though, too, because, you know, 
if there are just people out there that are bad sometimes, okay, that might be a little bit easier to accept. But if you have an entire society, because that's the idea that keeps getting pushed in this movie, is that children are perfectly fine. It's their upbringing that basically makes them into who they are. That's what keeps getting well, pushed by the patriarchy secret, in this particular I film. I think that that's actually the thing that's easier to accept. The, well, the, to me, the notion that I'm not finished though. Oh, okay. okay. It's it's it's, it's, it's kind of it's, it's a double thing. <laughs> is that you know they keep spouting that over and over and over and over again, yeah. and then you've got this mom who's basically left with this idea. Well, it's because of the way that she was raised. Her environment made her yeah. this way. Therefore, since I'm the one that's providing the environment, I fucked up. Yeah, yeah. it's I a product of the fifties, and yeah. feeling so incredibly guilty about that. It's the guilt right yeah. okay but that's the thing is like the the it's we all we search humanity seems to need an answer so the th- when things are fucked up and awful and they happen it's you want to know why you want to know why and it's like look well, it, somebody needs to be blamed somebody needs to yeah. be blamed somebody is responsible for this because it can't just be an accident, a confluence of unfortunate I events that occur. murdered three people. <laughs> well, you know, when it comes to murder, but, you know, whether it's an accident or murder, it's yeah. like there has to be. Why? What is the motivation? Yeah. You know, I always think like the serial killer, the Seminole Heights serial killer here yep. in, in Tampa a couple of years ago. You mean my neighbor? When he turned in, when he <laughs> turned in. <laughs> Do you? Oh, yeah, he killed people in my dad's backyard. Oh, fuck. Yeah, and actually he lived and his parents still live like. Five houses down? Six oh, houses down? My dad brings him into the courtroom. Yeah. My dad's the bailiff in that courtroom, so he's had to, like, deal with him. Yeah. Well, so, you know, when he... We're all connected. When he, yeah. When he gave the gun to the person he worked with at McDonald's, mm-hmm. um, and, and they caught him, whatever, the whole thing... I remember people going, like, it must be a conspiracy. He wouldn't be... He's not the killer, which yeah. is insane to think about, because they would go, why would he do that why would he get caught he has no point to like he has no motive sometimes there just isn't one sometimes, sometimes these fuckers just like to stab people things are awful sometimes yeah. the world is awful sometimes yeah. tragedies Listen, sometimes occur. shit happens <laughs> who you gonna call, <laughs> you gonna call? <laughs> okay so all right <laughs> somebody's got to deal with it enough of the serious shit um so uh yeah uh, she gets rid of the shoes the mom is on full like what's the thing when like people when publicists try to like fix celebrities like image in the public eye oh damage control damage control yeah. mom is full damage control mode yeah. she's like burn the fucking w- shoes don't tell anybody do every episode of the show yeah <laughs> starting now burn um, the podcast burn the whole studio down <laughs> committed arson on the pod um oh and just fun fact during the part where she throws the shoes down the thing they play claire de lune but a very intense version of it yeah which I love that little callback. That's like Rhoda's little soundtrack. It's that song. That's her little perfect French song. Um, and then, yeah, so basically everything's out of the bag now. We all know everybody. Well, the mom knows. Um, Dad comes back. Yeah, right? Yeah. Dad comes back. Um, no. Leroy dies first. Yeah. Oh, we, then the yeah. dad comes back. Yeah. <laughs> Leroy fucking Well, I mean, eats, this, this kind of be like, you know, really escalates because Leroy's just fucking with her. Yeah, oh, he's making yeah. a bad joke. Should have stayed the fuck out of it, dude. He wasn't. 
I okay. I think he thinks she's bad, but I don't think he thinks that she did it. He did didn't. It. He didn't. No, no. He just says it. But anyway. he was fucking with her. Yeah, yeah. he shouldn't have done it. <laughs> and then and she, he says, "Well, you know, I heard something. You know, he's getting little bits and pieces of information from her." And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to pl- use this. And I'm going to play with her and stuff. And like, okay, well, you, oh, yeah, well, those shoes, I heard him clittering, clattering down, you know, into, into where the Clittering? Bowl- <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> clittering. Oh, okay. I hate that word so fucking much. I hate it. <laughs> clittering? Clittering? No, not that word. The, the shortened version of that oh. word that he's making a joke out of. I'm not the one that said it. Clickety clacketing. Is that better? <laughs> Clickety clacketing. I heard the word you said was down. fine. He just took it and made it weird. <laughs> Which is his job, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we take the piss. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. And but drink like, it. He says, you know, you're, you're, you're the shoes. <laughs> I got the shoes. I got the shoes. I found the shoes. Yeah, okay. And he's put the pieces together and, like, fucks with her. And then, of course, she gets really, really she pissed. Gets pissed. So he knows that he's kind of, like, you know, got her riled he up and everything. Cord. But the more that he starts to kind of play around, all of a sudden he begins to realize, he's like, like said, oh, shit, she really did. She did. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Yeah. And then he gets scared for his life. Well, he, he runs be. in and he finds the fucking shoes. Yeah. And he goes back to his little bed of Excelsior and has a cry. Yeah. A little cry cry. Yeah. Because like, sometimes you just got to cry. In cry it Excelsior. out, bitch. Cry it out. He cries. And then he gets burned the fuck alive. Well, yeah, it's because she wanted watch a popsicle. Him run out, get out and burn he into the grass. He runs down the block, yeah. she says. She mm-hmm. watched yeah. him watch run him down the block. Well, you watch her face. You watch her go. Yeah. Yeah. You hear him screaming. <laughs> He's just burning it on fire. Yeah, He's incredible. Fi- incredible. It's that whole sequence of them being like, who's screaming? What's happening? Uh, and then like she watches him. That's like her breaking point. Yeah. Where she's like, I'm done. Well, after I've he dies, it. did you notice like when she goes to the desk and she's sitting on the desk, the mother, and she's like, she's at this weird angle and her wrist is doing this weird kind of Oh yeah, she's hitting thing it. on the fucking like table i was like she does that earlier in the movie too crazy <laughs> yeah it's like that scene in spongebob where the brain just cracks in half like <laughs> <laughs> yeah and she's done so well this brings us to this is your brain probably, on probably the uh the ultimate taboo of the film which yeah. is like the uh, you know murder suicide yeah the family murder suicide and pack. it's fucking pretty bleak i i mm-hmm. mean it's again this haze code shit this like works against itself here because this is you um, can't see it but we're gonna talk about it yeah <laughs> like, hey i got some vitamins that monica brought down vitamins. And, you know here yeah. so here have some and it's pretty horrific. why gotta take so many and then she i mean this, <laughs> i like apricot juice <laughs> and now this has changed from the play because or is it the novel? I know in the play, no, actually the play and the novel are in perfect alignment. And honestly, it's not that big of a change. What happens is that she feeds Rhoda the the pills. Yeah. Then she goes back to her bedroom and kills, and she kills herself. Yeah. They hear the gunshot. The mom is dead. Yeah. But Rhoda, they catch her in time, and they can pump her stomach, and that's and she how she lives yes. to kill again. Again. Um. Yes. Then they're at the cuts to ho- drastic cut to the hospital. Yeah. Everybody's there. The landlord, the dads come back. And he feels, he's like... And the granddad's there, too. Yeah, the granddad's there, too. And they're like, ah, when I left, she was fine. Like, I don't... And so I think he's feeling a little guilty because he had to leave. He's like, maybe it was because she was alone. Because they don't know any of this. Rhoda Leroy, who is now dead, i.e. Freddy Krueger. And then (laughs) fucking... Freddy got fingered. (laughs) 
He has a lot of holes on yeah. his face. Yeah, yeah. Well, Daddy, would you like some sausage? Mm-hmm. Daddy, would you like some sausage? <laughs> um, which is crazy that like only person in this room that knows what the fuck's going on is the mom who's in a coma, and Rhoda. And Rhoda's not going to tell anybody what the fuck happened. Everybody's right. just like, oh, Leroy, something happened. And the like, bitch comes skipping down the hall. Skipping. She does. <laughs> skipping with her dumbass little shoes. Um, And they're just like, why don't you take her home? Like, we're going to see. We don't know if your wife's going to be okay. We're going to do surgery. Um, And they go home. Dad tucks Rhoda in. Rhoda starts asking hella questions. Yeah. She's like, well, when the landlord dies, she said I could get the bird. That she has. And then, oh, also, forgot to mention, last house they were at, she fucking pushed an old lady down the stairs That's and right, killed yeah. her. Yes. Because she has a thing on her her dresser. It's like a, not a snow globe, but it's like an orb thing with some shit in it. Yeah, and, that she wants. Yeah. yeah, it's like an antique. And there was an old lady that lived in their previous building that accidentally fell down the stairs. Come to find out, Rhoda slipped and, like, fell into her on purpose uh-huh. so she could get because she this old lady had promised her well, this when heirloom. I die, when I die, <laughs> right. So Rhoda has like keepsakes, which is what serial killers like That's to take. Right. They have yeah. things that they take from victims and it's usually the same thing. So Rhoda just likes stuff. She's a fucking little mole rat. And she yeah. has, she has the heirloom, she has the she wants the bird now, so if we're, we're to assume that the That's right, we don't like Monica anyway. We d- <laughs> I didn't. She just talks too much. She's probably nice. But, um, so they go home. Dad goes to bed. While Dad's asleep, Rhoda sneaks out. She puts, and it's a thunderstorm, which is how the movie opens. It opens yeah. Yeah. when it's storming out Overlooking on a dock. Overlooking the dock, yeah. It where the picnic happened. And then Rhoda puts on her little rain outfit. She walks all the way down the fucking street. To the park. I do like how she's got the flashlight and she's dragging across the picket fence and yes. everything. It's she's like being very annoying. atmospheric. Yeah. <laughs> she's annoying all the time. <laughs> she's always got to be making fucking no, that's noise. That's what kids always did, though. Yeah, they were just did stuff because yeah. <laughs> there was no TikTok. Yeah, like murdering other kids, you know? Yeah, like... the cash. Um, and she goes to the dock, and in my head, I was like, oh, she's going because the mom in the middle said she threw the medallion into the lake. Because she's like, I can't deal with it. They got rid of all the evidence. So Rhoda goes and she tries to like fish it out. And in my head, I was like, okay, this is going to go two ways. She's either going to get the medal and then the, they're going to do a pan in on her face. And it's like, oh, no, it's yeah. going to continue. Or Not she's going she's <laughs> gonna to drown like the yeah. little boy, which I thought would have been a nice like Both of those are secular. very acceptable. Yeah. acceptable. But what actually happened... <laughs> The bitch gets struck by lightning. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a spectacular the power of God. It's like the lightning in Young Frankenstein. Yes. And they're like, it's alive. Yes, and it strikes the fucking. There's an explosion that goes along like with yeah. Half the dock is missing when the smoke it's clears. Incinerated. Yeah. And so yeah. is her. And yeah. I honestly slay. Like, yeah. honestly, love it. Yeah, it's incredible. And it's this is the thing I want to talk about with the, like, with the Hayes Code is like the idea that she has to get, there has to be comeuppance. Yeah, she can't just live. Yes. She can't just live. Evil must be punished. It's yeah. even more shocking. Literally. Like, when you watch it now, yeah, right. You, you watch it now, you're like, oh, Jesus the Christ. Fuck? God. <laughs> fuck, they God himself came down. eight-year-old girl? It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. It's a, and, and that's straight up it. That's the, and then it pans up, which it ends in the same shot that the movie starts That's right. in. Which is always it's like the searchers. And yeah. then it's always good when the cast comes out and it. takes a bow. I love it's it. Curtain call. I love curtain calls for movies, especially for this one. I think they did it intentionally because the audience was probably so fucking freaked out that they needed to see these people be normal. They did it. So that's what they did in the play. Because yeah. in the play, she gets away with it. 
you know, mm-hmm. and lives to kill again. And every they were concerned that yeah. everybody was going to be like sick to their stomachs. So they were like, we'll have her get spanked at the end um, like, as a curtain call. <laughs> and then because it's beholden to this theatrical experience. Oh, daddy, don't hit. I mean, mommy, don't hit me. Yeah, they do it again. <laughs> you know, they do it in the in the in the closing. Well, you love that ending. You I think that. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it's just cute. And I come from theater. I started doing theater when I was 15. So I just think it's like. I just like to see them being themselves, especially if I've watched you go through fucking trauma sure, and hell. I get it. And try to kill yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I that, that literally is the purpose of a curtain call yeah. Yeah. in theater. I mean, it's this cathartic moment and everything where mm-hmm. you transition from the spirit world back to reality. Yeah. And there's a, at the end, there's a warning at the end that says, please don't like try. And we realize what you've just watched is very like <laughs> taboo. Don't fucking do this yeah. in real life, please. <laughs> God. Which usually movies didn't have to have that. To me, this movie was the exorcist of its time. Yeah, shocking and in your face and full of shit that you would not expect you would ever because see on the screen. Because it's the 50s. Yeah. The 50s were very, I always like to compare it to The Giver. Everybody had a place. You had a thing. Yeah. You had a life path that you were supposed to take. And if you fell out of it, even in the slightest, people were fucking concerned for you. Sure. And so this whole movie is falling off all the way out of the 50s completely and ahead of its time in so many ways that as, which is why I love it so much especially because as we know like the 50s were all about atomic horror and big monsters yeah. and giant yeah. ants and fucking tarantulas so to see something so Cold shockingly pedestrian mm-hmm. uh you know is is definitely a uh it's a homegrown a bad guy moment. too yeah. instead yeah. of being you know the commies and the rats right it's mm-hmm. here it's, it's actually... your daughter <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's your it could be your child. And because of your membership in the Communist Party, this is why it happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Bad Seed is a classic of the genre. Mm-hmm. It's it. uh it's it's pretty straightforward to the point, I and think. And it's become a it's a thing that has transcended maybe even people's knowledge of the film and become part of our lexicon. Yeah. We all know what a bad seed means now. Mm-hmm. We do. And yeah. and it has nothing to do Yeah, it's the do... band with that Nick Cave had. Sure. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the like most people that say that don't have any idea who Patty McCormick is, you no, know, they don't. or who Mervyn Leroy is. They just are saying it's hey, a Mervyn bad Leroy seed. Mervyn Leroy actually had a decent career. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just saying mm. it's the it's the lexicon. It's what it's it's transcended. It's become. It's created its own status in in yep. the zeitgeist of you know its time and current. Yeah, film, uh, books, anything, music. Like it's there's always you can do a lot with an evil child. You sure can and scare the fuck out of people because kids are supposed to be inherently. That's why I like movies that take place in like. That's why I like Twin Peaks and things that take place in like these idyllic suburban towns because it's beautiful on the outside, but everything on the inside is fucking rotten. Uh, yeah, right. And I love that. Right. I just blue velvet as well. Like if you told me this was written by Shirley Jackson, I'd be like, "Yep, yeah, it's very Shirley Jackson." And if you told sure. me that fucking Alfred Hitchcock directed it, I'd be like, "For sure." He did turn this movie down. Yeah, which is he could have fucking ate it up with this movie. Yeah, he I think it's probably it. because it's there's not enough there cinematically for him. Uh, yeah, because he was a guy he, who was less very... about dialogue and more about Showing. camera. Yeah, yeah, he loves so, him, like toilet see. slushing. And when he does do it, it's something like uh, <laughs> like uh, Dial M for Murder, which is very stagey as well. And mm-hmm. for me, that's like one of his least successful uh, movies. So um, yeah. maybe smart for him to have turned it down. Um, instead... He would have ate it up though. I believe it. Probably. <laughs> he would have ate it up. <laughs> He's eating a lot of things, so. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that's a great choice, Victoria. Great. Thank you. The bad seed, awesome. Um, Sorry, I talk forever. <laughs> no, it's okay. That's the show. You have you you know our shows regularly go six hours. Oh, okay, so, period. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, if it's not clear in the bad seed what's causing little Rhoda to do her awful sinister machinations. Is that how you say that word? Yeah, you can say, ma- well, I say machinations. Machinations? Yeah. Okay. Um, Macadamia nut. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too. Okay. Um, <laughs> if if it's not entirely clear what causes Little Rhoda to kill people, nature, nurture, who knows what it is, it's very, very clear what causes children to go on a rampage in my choice for a drive-in double feature Nutsack. of killer kids. And my film for tonight is... The children. It's time you believed in a new kind of horror. The horror of the children. Something you wouldn't dare to imagine has happened to the children. Something beyond your worst fears. Jenny. Jenny, darling, is that you? Mama. is happening and it's happening inside the children I said to stop it cut it out stop it and both on that he was shooting the children the children will take you one step beyond horror Something terrifying has happened to the children. Pray you'll never meet them. All right, guys. The movie is 1980. Mm-hmm. Directed by what's the movie? The children. Fuck face. No, no. What movie is it? I know there's children in it, but what's the movie? Oh, I don't. I don't agree with this bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Directed by Max Kalmanowitz. Written by. Pay attention. These are very important names. Mm-hmm. You'll hear about them a lot. Well, actually, yeah. I think. Uh... Uh, written by Carlton J. Albright and Edward Terry. Aren't they responsible for some other stuff? Couldn't tell you. Didn't look him up. Don't know. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> I really don't know. There is another movie that they made. What? Luther the Geek. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Forgive me. I did know that. Yeah. Years, Many years later, they made Luther the Geek. Um, starring Martin Shakar. Shaker. Shaker? Shakar. Martin Tupac Shakar. <laughs> Gil Rogers. Gail Garnett. Nice Shannon Bolin. And Bennings! Yes, and Ben Peter Maloney is in yes. this movie. All right, guys, Peter here's Maloney. the deal. Although the funny part is that, you know, did you know how much, like, Peter Maloney and Edward Terry look alike? Oh, I couldn't. But now, hey, mm. is Edward Edward Terry is the guy that plays his brother, right? Yes. I, I didn't. And he's also Luther the Geek. What else is he in? Do you know, is he, I, I meant to look him up, and I can't. He looks remarkably familiar, and that's why, I, I mean, I recognize him for that. Let's, well, we, guess All what? Right. We have the magic box. Well, while you look it up, what I'm going to read the box? synopsis for the chill, 1980s drive-in 
gold the children. A nuclear power plant leaks a poisonous yellow cloud that mutates a busload of children into murderous atomic zombies with black fingernails and the ability to melt faces with a single hug. This sounds like that Frosty the Snowman movie where his bus crashes into a fucking nuclear truck. Oh, you, Jack Frost? Yeah. Jack Frost. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's the one with Michael Keaton, right? Because that's a oh, horror yeah, movie. Oh, sure. I love switching those at Blockbuster They're so the families same. get traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the Jack, uh, the Michael Keaton one is much scarier mm-hmm. than the other one. And guys, a snow dad is better than no dad. True. Um, okay, did you find out what uh, that dude was from, Chris? Yes, actually, there's uh, a couple things that he's really well known for. Luther the Geek and uh-huh. the Children. R- nothing else, huh? Those are the only <laughs> two acting credits he has. now. And that's the guy he, that plays Benning's brother? Yes, and he, I know his face looks... You know, but anyway, he uh, he did work on John Huston's The Dead. Okay, but he was uh, a carpenter for that. Interesting. All right. Well, he's great. Yeah. Okay, guys. Ew. Sorry, I just looked up the kids. Uh, <laughs> what they look like? They're so gross. Oh yeah. Look, I, I um, Sorry. I personally am not like frightened <clears throat> by kids. Like the idea of it doesn't really do anything for me. Uh, full disclosure, but the kids in the children are legitimately frightening to me. I like. Okay, let's just jump into this fucking yeah, movie. Let's, jump uh, let's, into this. I want to talk movie, about Brandon. why this movie is great. Um, now, uh, uh, Victoria, your film, The Bad Seed, mm-hmm. is uh, uh, nuanced, subtle, uh, <clears throat> d- deals with things that are you. You can read into it. Um, you can get out of it what you bring into it if you want. Yes. Um, it's layered and it rewards you upon repeat viewing. The children, um, I think it's trying to say something, but I have no fucking idea what. It's very, un- it's almost like a treatise against nuclear waste uh, 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 and the potential of harmful, uh, you know, fallout. But, that really goes nowhere. Um, it's like, is it? Are they trying to say well, something? I think that about... was actually tacked on in the beginning too. I don't think originally it was there. I think they went back and reshot that. Yeah, they had to add it in yeah. at the last minute because people were like, "What the fuck is going on here?" And it's 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 absolutely insane. All right, look, guys. Personally, I like a good toxic melt. It's something I love seeing mm-hmm. in movies. I love a fucking low budge meltdown. Just seeing it brings joy to my oh like slowly a physical beating melt? heart yeah oh, yeah okay. like uh you know like toxic avenger style like somebody bubbling gooey shit happening to their faces yeah, guys when that guy rips his face off sure kind of. yes uh, t- uh street raiders trash. street trash raiders of the lost ark when yeah. tote melts <laughs> like i love that the incredible melting man <laughs> <laughs> yes Yes! Rick Baker strikes again! One day we'll probably do a body melt episode. I think I, we, we always should. threaten we, to do about it. it. Yeah. Yeah, we should. Um, at the end, you guys melt. And that's the end of this. <laughs> that's the big reveal is that you guys actually set yourself on fire. Yeah, we end. just melt down into yeah. nothing. We give each other a hug after we paint our fingernails black and then we both melt. Okay, yeah. that's what this movie has. It has killer children, children hugging their parents and they to melt death. to death. And again, you go, okay, I guess I could read into this. What? You, yeah, you could, but you will get nothing out of it. <laughs> this movie is, to me, now we've, we've had movies on this podcast that 
are kind of cornball, um, but are worth the watch, uh, or are have like low budget um, effects but high budget it aspirations. It doesn't have to be good. <laughs> That's right to be entertained. This movie to me straight up is perfect drive-in fodder. Like you get to the drive-in a little late, it's okay. You're not missing much. It's mostly the the first third of this movie is like an investigation. People kind of going, "What the fuck is going on? Where are, Where the, are children? the children?" And then they keep finding corpses that are horribly uh, melted. Um, but so it works. You can go to the concession stand. You can do what you want to do with the person that you're with in your car. You can look up and you can see a face melt or some boobies. It's all there. There's okay. only one there pair of boobies in, in here. There, uh, yeah. yeah, there are some titties. Okay. There are some titties. It delivers. I'm t- it delivers. <laughs> all right. But is there a dick? No. See, see it once again. Deliver. What the fuck? No, there isn't. More there could, dick representation there, in film. There's a dick head. There's like a dude who's- What are you a, talking about? It's a town full of dicks. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Everybody in fucking, what is it, Ravencroft or Raven Cooch or- the, Yes. Raven whatever Coochie. the fuck this place- what, What's the name of this damn town? Raven's- <clears throat> Raven- Thurl Ravenscroft. <laughs> Thurl Ravenscroft. Raven's back. Raven's yeah, Raven's back. back. You see no, that sign but everybody's a lot. an asshole. They are all assholes. Mm-hmm. Everybody, well, except for, I kind of like Sheriff Hart. Sheriff has heart. Yeah. For, straight up. He but does. But everybody else is an asshole. Yeah, they are. It's, everybody. It's incredible. Every single person in this, including the kids. All right, so guys, this movie has, first of all, I happened. To, I saw a Vinegar Syndrome transfer of the movie. It's beautiful. It looked great. Did you um, watch the one on the cock? Yeah, I did. It's on streaming on Peacock right okay, now. Okay, so then that maybe kind of fills in because it's on Peacock right now. So we get a set of titties, no dick, but it's on the cock, so that counts. There you go. Okay, I'll take it. Um, Whatever. Next time I'm not going to be so lenient. I, I have a, I have a, a, a really big soft spot in my heart for regional horror classic. films. Like, um, uh. Uh, you know, like anything that's made, Kristen, you and I were talking very briefly before we started recording on, there's like this era of of low-budget horror film that pre-1982, that yeah. just, it has this, it's got this like lived-in, your favorite word, cozy vibe that I love. You know, we're talking like Don- It's not my favorite word. Don Dollar's Night Beast, or, you know- um, Yes. So, this movie- has that in spades it really is it's just very very cozy um you get a small town diner you get a small town sheriff uh uh, and you want to know something that's small as much as i like sheriff hart in this movie and everything he's a fucking idiot because when he's (laughs) eating at that diner man that fire crotch is hot and ready to go dude what an idiot she's sitting there throwing herself cleavage beautiful waitress yes and it's actually a lot like the scene from the remake of the blob yes where candy clark is throwing herself at uh jeffrey uh what's his name uh oh god jeffrey holder sure whatever anyway it's just like the blob yeah oh this lady no that's the that's the little vixen girl uh uh, teeny um (laughs) but yeah we get a teeny me we get an old, <laughs> an old creepy cemetery, you know, in a in a small town. It's Did you awesome. hear the story about that? No, what? That uh, in order to get permission to use that cemetery, they had the production company had to make a donation to the owner or the caretaker of that cemetery's favorite charity. Aw, what was the charity? I don't know. It didn't say. Huh. 
but yeah, that was part of the deal. And then More I guess another guy, Nambla, like, <laughs> probably <laughs> or normal. Uh, but also, I guess one of the people on the crew was a coke dealer. Uh, no, he was. <laughs> it's it's the guy that shows up in the movie that looks like a coke dealer. <laughs> There is a guy that literally, when I say this, the Victoria, one that says you don't know who I yeah, am, he literally <laughs> rolls up in a caddy, and his entire scene is him rolling up and down his window to talk to this cop, this deputy, mm-hmm. and the guy looks like a fucking coke dealer, <laughs> and I'm watching him like that guy looks like a coke dealer. Come to find out, Chris, you're right. That's the coke. He's dealer? the guy that's dealing coke to everybody Drive on a set. Caddy, you have done you have currently possessed coke on your person <laughs> or you have done it in the last 24 hours that's a fact and i will stand by that till the day i die but look we're less than like 10 minutes into the movie and we get all of this stuff this diner scene this creepy cemetery a bikini clad sunbather angrily yelling at her dog queen <laughs> she just keeps saying not queen stop queen queen <laughs> and you're right She's an asshole. Oh, right. Yeah, what is that? Dr. Gould or whatever? She's also like a lesbian that's keeping that a other A blind woman. piano player. Oh, she's blind? She's a blind... See, I didn't get that at all. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this woman? And I thought, it's because she's got her doped up on pills. No, and she's all like, A blind oh, yes. piano player. Uh, this Ms. Ms. Button or whatever. It's was. so insane. Leslie Button. Um, so it, this is where the movie turns into an investigation film. This angry sunbather teams up with this dumb, dumb <laughs> sheriff. And uh, they kind of try to figure out, why are the children missing? Because the school bus drives into a cloud, and everybody vanishes, including Fred, the the school bus driver. Um, But we find Fred's corpse melted, looks like somebody fucking half-cooked a Totina's pizza and dropped it on his face. That's the angry... What you just pulled up is a picture of the angry sunbathing mom. Yes, okay. um, The the, the lesbian doctor crazy... All right, so we get, and then also you showed the, the long-legged vixen in jean shorts. I mean, she's in the movie. Look, all right, so I'm watching the movie, and I'm going, God damn, this music sounds familiar. I said the same fucking thing here. Actually, what did I, what did I write down here? I wrote, this sounds a lot like a Harry Manfredini score. <laughs> Look right there. Sounds like Harry Manfredini. <laughs> now, Victoria, I know you're not uh, versed in the Kruger-verse, I'm not. but you are but you a big Jasonator. I am. All right. I'm a, I'm a mommy's boy inator. Harry Manfredini is the guy that created the score for Friday 13th. He does the score for this movie, and it's Sick. literally the score for Friday the 13th. <laughs> With a little bit more than some of that synthy shit. Being, wing, boom, bunk, boom, yeah. Bing, it's love bing, 80s bing, horror bong. movie music. The syn- they said synths only, and we will not accept anything like yeah, this movie Fuck goes. Orchestra. This movie well, goes. Well, it's the only way that you could afford like having music. It's like we got one guy with a synthesizer. <laughs> All right, garage. that'll go. That way we, we can't afford an orchestra, but we got a guy with a synth. So, yeah, you get Manfredini's score, and he is. If you thought Friday the 13th is a ripoff of Psycho, the score. This fuck, I mean, it's literally psycho. The score is psycho and Friday the 13th. And that's another thing that added to this like comfort cozy vibe to me Mm -hmm. where I felt like I was being hugged by my favorite things. You know, I'm like, oh my God. Um, All right. So it's kind of like this hangout small town movie for a minute of people going, huh, we know what's up. We see these children roaming around with black fingernails. That's how you know that they're uh, evil now. Their fingernails are black, and we they watch it happen eyes, in a cross skin. dissolve. It's me. Their finger, yes, it's me. Yes, yep. <laughs> um, that's okay. Give her a hug, dude. 
And well, I don't want I don't want it to happen. A toxic body melt hug. This angry asshole mom. I just want the Totino's pizza on your face, man. I'm hungry. I love when these people get melted. Their noses like go up. It looks like, exactly mm-hmm. like the fucking zombie makeups in fucking Zombie Two. You're right. It does. It does. It's not out of place in a uh, like yeah a, a, a Italian zombie makeup no. like uh, burial ground style. Just like. It, it's not. It's just not caked on like mud. Well, it burial looks more like a little bit better than uh, fucking zombie two. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Look, Bennings is in the movie from the it's thing. True. And he's fucking awesome. He's awesome in this movie. He's very very funny. Okay. And when they get deputized and stuff, they're just sitting there with a fucking deputy sheriff with shotguns and a bottle of booze. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, all get right, done. professional. Look, <laughs> I just want to. I kind of just want to blow through these highlights of this movie because it's there's no subtext. There's nothing <laughs> worth really talking about. I just need to sell it as absolute insanity. Um, we, you know, one of my favorite kind of regional slow burn movies that is like this that this movie feels like a good cousin to is squirm yeah actually it's got the same kind of feel have you ever seen that movie victoria squirm Mm -hmm. that's a a 70s nature run amok movie where worms start taking over a small electrified ground yeah Yeah, a small backwoods town and they start Mm -hmm. crawling into people's faces yeah and I'm it actually, to think all these movies were set in small towns, not because they thought it was aesthetic, but because it's easier to afford. Yeah, exactly. because that's where they lived. <laughs> well, that they and they're lived. shooting on the weekends, yeah. too. Yeah. So, you know. Oh, okay, I don't want to see Squirm. This is nasty. Yeah, okay. Nasty, He's nasty. Awesome. He has worms in him. All right, so at, <laughs> this is at the point of the, like, at this point in the movie, I'm realizing Egg cream? the acting in the children. It is... It's incredible. It's so... (laughs) Like, are we talking, like, incredible on the Patty McCormick level? Okay. (laughs) That's our standard for this episode. It's like... How do I say this? It's it's so tone deaf. Every... All right, here's what I'll say. Every actor in the movie, all of these leads, are good actors. Like, they're good. But... (laughs) They're very badly directed. And they're coked out of their minds. And they're out of their minds. Mm-hmm. And they're, nobody is matching energies. They're just, each person is kind of doing their own thing, with the exception of Bennings and his brother. Yeah. Those guys are on the level. They're all in a different movie. Everybody's <laughs> in different, but they're all, they're, it's, I'm like, it's got, the performances have, they're not amateurs. There's a confidence to the performances as if these people have been doing this shit for fucking years. They, they have been working on every stage in Maryland or wherever, Massachusetts. You know, it's got that vibe of like, look, we're we're equity actors. Gonna rain today. <laughs> we all know what we're, we're not. Nobody like we have our, you know, union cards. We're already a part of this. Yeah. We, like this is the first time we've ever led a They've movie. They've got chops. They just, just once again. It's directionless. Not the actor's fault. You never blame the actor. That's not their fault. They are all great. They're just doing their own insane, crazy thing. And it makes me love this movie. Um, Tone deaf acting is incredible. Uh, uh, 
we get a weed smoking topless pool mom and a speedo muscle man husband lifting weights. Okay, I, can I yes. pipe in on that? So the weed smoking topless mom. Yes. <clears throat> you know who she is? No. Okay. Uh, her name is. <laughs> he wants to tell him. Rita Rita Montone. Okay. okay. She is the 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 fucking money shot scalping scene in Maniac. Yeah, that's her. You know the one where they, oh, she's really? laying on the pillow, yeah. and then scalps her yeah. and everything. That's her. That's that actress. So see, these people are and then all the body, East Coasters, and dude. the bodybuilder guy is actually a cop. Uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, he was like, I think he went to the director's gym or some shit like that. <laughs> and so he said, "You want to be in my movie?" Yeah. Yeah, me bought boofy. Meanwhile, the, the fake cop is tossing out their fucking weed. I was like, no! No, it's, Chris, it is straight up gratuitous ashtray dumping occurs in this film. In or, he's like, topless mom, tough guy Speedo, I need your help, the cop says. I need your help to find out your children are missing. And mom's like, hey, lay off me, man. And uh, and he's like, I need your help. They're like, you're not going to get my help. Meanwhile, her tits are hanging out. It's so fucking <laughs> and uh, and he's like, well, fine. If you won't help me, then I guess I'll go do it on my own. And he goes, to, he turns to leave, and then he stops, picks up their ashtray, and dumps it in the pool, and then sets the <laughs> no, ashtray it's down. It's not an ashtray, dude. It's her fucking yeah. weed stash. Yeah. And then turns <laughs> around and bong. looks at them like, and like double middle he's fingers. Like, this as is he a nice antique away. here, and he takes the lid off of it, and then pours all yeah. the fucking like she would already separated all the stems yeah. and seed, broken everything up, and she. Just, it's like, fuck out. yeah! <laughs> which, I mean, it was sort of a power play. You know, you got to show who's in charge in that scene, which part of what kind of made me like, you know, Sheriff Hart after he, you know, turned down the fire crotch. But, well, didn't really turn her down. But Well, no, he, he accepts her. And there, there's a, it, it's a setup because she ends up waiting for him in the, as the, like, as the action goes down. streaking down her and face. And it never pays off. Yeah, we never, okay, all right. Never see her again. Um, What do these moms do all day? Everybody's sunbathing in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's That's insane. what you do when you live in buttfuck nowhere in Wisconsin. <laughs> I guess. I, <laughs> but how can you sunbathe underneath the canopy of trees? <laughs> <laughs> they had their budget. They they couldn't afford the sun. Yeah. You know? <laughs> we ain't got the sun in it for today. Sorry. <laughs> so before long, you've got Sanford Jones, the disco daddy. He's basically like John Hammond before he built his park. He's literally dressed <laughs> like John Hammond. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but he's just a Coke dealer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he that goes nowhere. Nope. That's a, another thing that's set up. This guy's trying to get into town. They barricade it because there's missing children. You don't know who I am. Nobody knows who he is. We never find out. He says, make a phone. Okay, look. I, I don't want to go beat by beat on the movie because it, who, Jesus. who gives a shit? You get a, um, you get a, a blind, blind piano girl gets fucking microwaved. <laughs> <laughs> what? We, find, we set up this blind piano playing girl. Earlier on in the movie, as How like old are we talking, who is girl? being doped out by her very lesbian un- doctor girlfriend, very Good. unclear. She could she- be anywhere from supposed to be like fourteen okay. to no, she's the mother of the kid. No, yes, she is the mother the, of the kid. The piano player is not. The piano player I is think, not the mother I, of the kid. I think she is. Oh God, the I mother heard. is the is the angry woman yelling queen. I, I totally beach? disagree. They're I not. Totally it's not disagree. a beach. 
<laughs> it's not oh, a beach. Shit, they're at the this pool? is Massachusetts. Oh, this is like the, the woods. Well, no, they're in a like woody. Yeah, I know. They're all laying out in lounge chairs underneath a canopy of trees. That makes it ten times funnier. They're all sunbathing in the woods. That's so funny. You gotta do what you gotta do. I I beg to differ with you on that because I think there's one point they allude to the fact that actually the woman piano player is the mother and the doctor is the caretaker but also the lover of that person okay well we're done this is over Fuck we're done here guy. where's ashtray dump it <laughs> <laughs> um all right so blind piano woman gets microwaved then we have a thing that i you, you would not believe so this sheriff sheriff fart is so like this is the last guy you want on your case on your team okay Motherfucker's got a loaded gun, and he. You talk about a guy who shoots first and doesn't even bother to ask questions; just sits there in shock and disbelief. At one point, creep level is max. They don't know what's going on. They think there's a murderer killing children because they're. They don't know what's up. Mm -hmm. What's in that closet? What's in that closet? The closet opens up, and I'm telling you, the door is barely open before the sheriff fires into the door and guess what it's a fucking dog that's already dead he shoots it six fucking times it looks like one of the fucking doberman pinchers because it's a doberman pincher but it looks like one of the doberman pinchers from fucking resident evil yes a melted dog gets Um, shot six times in this movie victoria it's insane well and the the guy with him like the father what is his name michael or whatever he's like Nice shooting. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Jesus Christ. Why was there a Sheriff, dead dog in the closet? The children hugged it. Oh, And it okay. melted. And they put it in the closet? Yeah. Sure. Okay, they're the, trying to cover the track. Was, all right, let's just, pu- let's just push through here, guys. You get a drunk shotgun-wielding shopkeeper. You get this long summer night. Every person with a shotgun is drunk in this movie. That's <laughs> very true. Long summer night vibe. Uh, it, the whole movie has that, like, the skies are clear. Yes. I saw this really weird edit and everything. When uh, Susie, the girlfriend of the cop guy, that she rides on her bicycle and goes over to the house with a bag of apples and everything, there's a point where she's looking through all the rooms like, say, hey, you guys here? Hey, I got your apples and everything like that. And she goes to one of the swinging doors, and it's a fucked up edit, man, because she opens the door, and then you can tell there's a pause, and then the shot reverses. So they actually roll backwards the footage of her Weird. opening the door, and then they make it look Weird. like she closes the door, but it's the exact same footage just run in reverse. Right. That's high tech, bro. Uh, that's, well, that's resourceful. I'm, yeah. I'm wondering, though, it's like, you know, what was the fuck up that they were trying to cover up with that? <laughs> they just needed more time. They needed to show her close the door because the next cut maybe didn't match. Well, I'm, I'm wondering. Yeah, I don't know. Makes me, made me think. Um, at one point, um, everybody's so amped up on terror and something else <laughs> that... Uh, Somebody tackles a corpse into a pool. <laughs> it's oh the my guy, god! Like it's fucking, the coke dealer. Um, yeah, it's the no. It's the guy in the speedo. Once upon a time in Hollywood, where he fucking flamethrowers that girl kind into of. the pool at the end. He, this guy, maybe you're right. <laughs> no, maybe he, says, he goes, dealer. "Hey, Sanford," and then he puts his hand on him and he turns around. Ah, and then he falls. Yeah, over he the tackles pool. him into the pool. It's insane. <laughs> um, Got to use that pool in every shot. You we do. Paid they for get it, bro. the most out of that pool. Uh, spooky. Kid creeps just walking around at night creeping. It's fucking awesome. Now, here's the thing I started noticing that tableaus are everywhere in this yeah. movie. And it actually looks like someone took their time to art direct this film. Like, things are set up. Nothing is haphazard. There are these, like, um, shots that are designed to cheat out to the camera. The and tree and the tire swing and the kids. 
Yes. But even when people are like um, uh, making coffee, the, like setting up their cookies on a tray, it's like everything is meticulous. Nothing feels unintentional. It feels like somebody was setting props down all for a reason. And I kind of love seeing intention in a movie like this. It makes me think like, all right. Well, these, that person took their job seriously. Yeah, somebody's trying here. And I that goes a long way with me, especially in a movie that has no budget. Um, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. The pregnant mom's house looks so brown and cozy and I want to live there. Um, it is, yeah. It's kind of a nice house. Yeah. But then we have, here's another. There's a scene where this pregnant mom lights up a cigarette. No, she goes and she starts to pour herself a fucking drink. Yeah. And then she sits down, lights up the cigarette, and then starts rubbing her belly and goes, sorry. And, uh, and, that's, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and again, I'm like, is this a statement? What's, what is he, what are they trying to he say to here? He as many PSAs as he could into this movie. I guess. That's all that baby gets is like, sorry. Sorry. That's not all that baby gets. <laughs> um... We get a melted dad hand. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, quick draw McGraw, the sheriff fart, uh, shoots Victoria. Yes, sir. This dickhead sheriff, <laughs> there's a scene where he shoots a child point blank in the fucking chest. <laughs> With what I, like, kind of gun? A, it's a revolver. revolver. Okay. More guns of different varieties get used on children in this movie, though. It doesn't. That's yeah. that. Well, at one point, he's just hanging out like one of the windows of the house. He's just like with a shotgun, just shooting, shotgunning kids. And then they children. fall down, and then the kid comes back up, and he shoots him again. He falls yeah. down again, gets back up, yeah. shoots him again. He goes, they keep getting back up. Children are getting fucking shotgunned in this movie. <laughs> one kid gets shotgunned in the chest and flies over a staircase. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's insane, and, and they won't die. Um. I'll save why yeah. in a second. Um, anyway, you get another a gratuitous vase smashing over the sheriff's head. You gotta have one of those in everything. You do. It adds to you the. Do. Those are the children. What are you doing? Smash. There's a scene where a kid shows up at a window, a la Salem's Lot. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> freaky too. It's actually yeah. legit. He like starts scratching He's at like, the window. Hey, Paul. And it shows Let's this, play. It shows You're this it. Little kid <laughs> looks. And makes a face like, and then it just hard cuts to this child looking in the window, and it's fucking scary. I went like, oh god! And I would shit my pants. Yeah, if that it was to me. legitimately Especially effective. If you live on the second story, and <laughs> just when you think the movie hasn't done enough, this little child, who's a little boy, gets melted. So another mel- a melted child in the movie. So that's both of these parents' kids are dead. Yeah, one's turned into a fucking irradiated zombie. <laughs> And then one gets melted get by melted. the irradiated zombie. And the dad has this perform- There's a scene where this guy finds his- the corpse of his child, of his son. God. And puts it in bed. And, it pu- and, and you can hear. And I say this. I'm emphasis on you can hear it. He's losing, breaking down. And you know it's a performance from a guy who's like, give me a minute. Give me a minute. Action. And he does it. You can. But. You- the camera is so ineptly made. The camera's on his back. Yeah, they're shooting through the They're door shooting the opposite side. In a dark room. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. And, and you can hear him like... Going, <laughs> it is an inept setup. <laughs> it, it, but you lo- gotta love it. Um, and just when you think it can't get any better, the sheriff whips out a fucking samurai sword. <laughs> <laughs> They said, fuck, we're out of shells. You know why? God damn it. You know why? <laughs> why? Because it turns out there is a way to kill these children, and it's not shotgunning them point blank in the chest. 
you cut their hands off. Oh, because the black, that makes sense. Because their nails are black. That makes sense. So it comes And when you hands. cut their hands off, their nails turn back to, to the, normal the, hands. The, um, so oh, now, so they're normal kids now. They, yes. No, they're dead. They're dead. But oh. they have, they have their uh, arms have become even longer. They have like extended stubs, like <laughs> the size of their kinda actual like hands. Kind like old porno Edward penis hands. That's yeah. That's kind of what it looks Just like. Just like that. How do you know that? <laughs> How do I know that? Yeah. You've never seen Edward penis hands? Hell no. He wrote the book. The oh, novelization shit. of the I'm movie. Sorry. I did. Yeah, I did. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't know I was in the presence of a yeah. famous I get residuals yeah. from it, and they're yeah. really sticky. They're gross. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's nasty. Yeah. Guys, the back half of this movie is children getting their fucking hands cut off by a samurai <laughs> or sword. Or getting completely chopped to pieces, too. <laughs> yes. There's that one setup that they have next to the police car where it's like, you know, there's an arm over here, there's a leg over here, and then the way that they've hit, they've hit the girl, the actress, underneath the car, but her head's like next to the tire, so they make it look like they chopped her head off. Oh, it's it's insane. Um, you get a backseat jump scare that I kind of just spoiled, but that's all I'm going to say. Uh, and then this movie reaches its artistic peak in its last moment. What, one what's more up? thing, though, too. Uh, the sound effect for the kids dying. Oh, it's like it sounds like birds screaming. It's or like, cats and it's heat, cats dude. And heat. No, literally, they recorded <laughs> cats in heat, and, they and then they pitch it down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Y'all um, know why cats be screaming, right? Why? Oh, you really don't know? Why? Uh, so the male cats, their peepees are too small to stay in the hole, so they have spikes on the end of them uh-huh. to like attach into the woman, like a dog into the woman or the, the female the cat, female cat <laughs> the lady cat oh, into the pussy into the lady. <laughs> yes. And so it's like really fucking painful for cats to have intercourse. So that's, that's why they. It scream. sounds like it every time I hear it in my neighborhood. I'm always like, Jesus, get a room. <laughs> okay, being mur- their guts are being murdered. <laughs> oh. um, if the cars are rocking, <laughs> yeah. it's it sounds a lot like children getting their hands cut off. Oh, yeah. God. Um, the last moments of this movie are the it's like it's almost like the movie that's been struggling to find something to say struggling to find artistic merit has finally found it in the last 3 minutes like that's the only way because suddenly it and becomes and it's about it's about 2 minutes and 40 seconds of bullshit <laughs> it becomes this in- incredibly sober yet unbelievably overwrought post-child murder coda where this pregnant woman okay it's a montage of all these murdered children sans hands okay um heads chopped off like shotgun corpses of children melted totinas pizza face men and women smoke coming off of them intercut with a woman giving birth (laughs) and you hear her say to the husband Mop my forehead. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of wondering about the cuts, though, because, like, you know, there's the beginning where she says, We're gonna, you know, she's explaining to her husband what to do. We're gonna need, I need you to boil some water and get lots of towels. It's okay. She says, We're gonna do lots of towels. Yeah. (laughs) Which is like, again, but then it's also in the house. It's, yes, in her own bed, but it's also, you know, not only the shots of all the, the, you know, just devastation of human bodies all over the place but there's also like scenes of nature and like you know pictures like at the end of of, of it's probably what they do they're probably harping carpenter at the end of halloween where they're showing like all the different shots oh, of the empty house chris, and everything chris but there's a fucking it's all vo 
Because you don't actually see the woman giving birth. You hear her yeah. and the conversation she's having with her husband, but you don't actually fucking see her giving birth. It's That's just, crazy. okay, mop my brow. Oh, push, honey, push. Okay, the head is out. Okay, one more, one more, and it's... The literal birth of the new generation that's, of Ravenswood, whatever. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You compared it to Carpenter. I think it's far more artistic than anything John Carpenter's ever done. <laughs> Death of a child and new life. Mm-hmm. It's there. It goes on for forever. It, it's just. It's truly where the director has peaked. It's almost like he had one day to edit the whole movie. And he like finally got his flow in the last three minutes. He's like, "Oh, now I know what story I'm trying to tell." Too late. We're still kind of like, "Huh? Well, what was it?" Um, and then the ve- look. Spoiler alert: the very last shot of the movie is a titty sucking zombie baby, and then we cut to the end credits. The child is now we see has black nails. Oh, the f- the baby that just got shot yeah. into the N- world. Yep. Yeah. And it's nursing. And we see a close-up of it. Like, its hands are on the titty. You know, it's like and it's, it's sucking the titty, and it's got black nails. But there's also a reaction shot, too, from the husband going, <laughs> And you can't tell if he's... Yeah. And then it's five minutes of end credits <coughs> in complete silence. <laughs> oh, they don't put music over no, the credits? No. Again, as if to make a point... Think about what the fuck you just but watched. But it's what's the point? That, I don't give you understand. That five minutes to figure it out. <laughs> I, well, I took the five minutes and I haven't figured it out. Damn, it's <laughs> truly, it is truly an insane. I, I mean, Brandon, I like the movie. You know, I I enjoy it. I find it entertaining. But why are you such a fucking apologist for this movie? Apologist, I love it. It's incredible. It's <laughs> everything. It's everything you could ever want. In a ninety-minute drive-in experience, you—it d- does not require you to pay any attention to it. It does not require you to care. It just—you can look up whenever you feel like it, and you're going to see something rewarding. And when it's over, it's over. It's perfect. So in it's a trifle out. Sure, um, it's wonderful. It's grotesque. It's it's overwrought it's hilarious it's borderline inept and yet there's still something like i said comforting about it you've got harry manfredini in there hanging out it's a perfect antidote if the if the bad seed is a slow burn nuanced film the children is the perfect like holy fuck just line of coke that the that that drive-in double experience needs Makes and ask Barry Sanford. It's a fucking mega movie. Yeah. It's a fucking dirty water dog with coleslaw on it. Yeah, like so much coleslaw that you can't even see the fucking dog. Yeah, I um I love the children. I didn't. I had seen it before. I got to rewatch it for this episode, and I just was the whole time screaming at the screen. What? What? It was great. A wonderful, fun experience. Highly, highly recommended. It's a jaunt. Yeah. yeah. I, once again, I, I enjoyed it and found it very entertaining and everything, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by your passion for it. Yeah, you're like really into this. It's fucking great. It's great. <laughs> I mean, I'm into the one I picked, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's even. <laughs> now, that's, so that's two movies, guys, but we have three movies that we have to choose from. So, I think we need 
to hear our third choice. And that would be by our esteemed co-host, Mr. <laughs> What's your name? Uh, Puddin' Tang. Puddin' Tang. What is, what is your pick <laughs> for our third movie? The third film this evening is 1960's Village of the Damned. Science fiction has never imagined so strange or terrifying a story as that of the village of Midwich, England, cut off from life as we know it by some mysterious force. And later, at one and the same time, a child was born to every woman in the village. Children that grew to look like this. Beautiful youngsters behind whose fiery, hypnotic eyes lurked the demon forces of another world. They're not human. They ought to be destroyed. Forces put to such sinister use that it became a national emergency. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists, as government experts. Have we established anything about the origins of these children? There is a possibility of the transmission of energy. Let me get this straight. You imply that these children may be the result of impulses directed towards us from somewhere in the universe. What we need is time to investigate. Why are you so nervous when an aircraft flies above you? Until recently, we haven't been able to make our control reach as far as a high aircraft. Oh, now you have, is that it? Today, their control reaches out into space. Tomorrow, will it girdle the globe? There's nothing you can do to stop us. Leave us alone. Sixties Village of the Damned, directed by Wolf Rilla. Can, can you say it like Wolf Rilla? Wolf Rilla. Like he's a Wolf Riler. Wolf. They Ryla. call me the Wolf Riler. Why don't you just do it, Dog man? the Bounty Hunter? Okay, I'll, let's just take that over. Why don't we call it Wolf Rilla? <laughs> Go. Go. Why don't we call it Wolf Rilla? I tell you, there. Wolf Rilla. <laughs> Wolf Rilla. <laughs> sounds like a name for a. Mm. 70s prog rock. It's like they let the guitarist do a song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 20 minutes long. Yeah. yeah. So written by Sterling Silifant, who's a nice American screenwriter, Wolf Rilla, Ronald Kinnock as George Barkley, and based off the novel The Midwich Cuckoos by John Wyndham, who is also responsible for writing the novel. Which one, Brandon? What's the other one that he did? Day of the Triffids. Day of the Triffids. Very good. And also all those beautiful hotels. Yes, all those Wyndham hotels, definitely. Mm-hmm. So uh, the cast includes George Sanders, Barbara Shelley, Michael Gwynn, and as Brandon has written here, <laughs> a bunch of creepy-ass kids, <laughs> which is over. very, very true. The synopsis for this film, in a small English village, everyone suddenly fail, fails, fall, falls, <laughs> everyone falls unconscious. After awakening, they discover that every woman of childbearing age is mysteriously... Um, with child, because uh, this movie does not use the word pregnant, pregnant. at all. No, not they can't. They, do not, they do not say that no, word no, at no, all. No, it's not no. proper. The resulting children have the same strange blonde hair, glowing eyes, and a frighteningly strong connection to each other, kind of like the human centipede. 
It's a very strange connection. I say, old boy, that's <laughs> quite a synopsis. Yeah, you th- thank, thank you. Thank you. I, I try very hard. <laughs> um, and this movie's a fucking classic. It's British as fuck. It is. It is, it is, it is, it is British as fuck, It's the most Caucasian movie I've ever oh, seen in my, my life. Oh, my God. You're right. There's not one person of color in no. the film, is there? No. no. Neither was in mine. Honestly, really what you get is just yeah. whiter and whiter. It's, we didn't uh, exist. We don't yeah. get darker and darker. <laughs> right, right. It's whiter and whiter. For everybody listening, I'm black. Just for that joke to hit. <laughs> so you don't, like, cancel me. Oh. My name is Victoria. I know that's a very white name. We're going to put that in the show notes, just so you know. It's Her name say, is Honky McHonker. It'll say, no, it's going to say Victoria Tribble, and then in parentheses, black. Bl- yeah. <laughs> I'm not So she's a black Tribble? Bl- yeah, I would be. I only saw ah, the brown ones. Yeah. I'm brown. Well, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, this I, I I love this movie. This movie is a fucking classic. By the way, there's no there's no people of color in my movie either. I don't think. Oh shit! I think it's all white people I in that too. Fucking failed my ancestors. Yeah. <laughs> they fucking... I don't think there's any black people in your movie. No, I said no, that. There's yeah, there's not. not. We oh. we literally this is probably the whitest. Three films show that we've know. ever done. <laughs> the one episode you bring a girl of color on, and I should have been the one to pick a. Per, a you should, yeah, a you should have brought the brown sugar. Should have brought no. fucking blackula, bro. Oh. <laughs> that would have made one of our listeners very happy. Sure. All right. All right. Sorry, I love that sorry. movie. Though. Anyways. All sorry. right. You're right, dude. This movie is stone cold classic. Yeah, it is. It's so kid. fucking. Good. Did you? Yeah. It is so competently made. It is so incredibly British. Though. I mean, it's like a very English. Mm. There, there's literally a scene where they're solving a puzzle, and it's just a close up of a child's hands solving. Or no, no, no. Two men, a man's hand solving yeah. a puzzle, and you could just hear. It's a close up, and you just hear two British men going, mm, "Well, okay." Well, and then here comes the whole scene. Like, Jesus Christ, this is so British. British I think ASMR. I think we get the idea, Charles. They called someone into the studio to do that. Did they? No, I'm saying they did for that. Oh yeah, it's, it's, oh yeah, ADR. Yeah, yeah, they had the ADR. That they said, come in and do uh, meticulous mm-hmm. British noises that mm-hmm. only British mm-hmm. men. Yeah. And I say, yeah. it's like we're hemming and hawing. <laughs> Can you do this in very English fashion? <laughs> but I mean, like this movie starts off, and it's like it's so pastoral and like idyllic and everything. You get these these beautiful shots of like English countryside and everything, and then you move into like this this cottage that George Sanders lives in. And then we jump right into the fucking movie. George Sanders, you know, he does like a telephone call. Hey, can you bring me a book, please? You know, when you come to visit and everything like that. And he put he he all of a sudden just yeah. like passes out right there. It, like yeah. this is like the first sixty seconds of the movie. It's like we jump right the fuck in, and I love that. I absolutely love that, um, dude. This movie does this thing throughout it of these. It welcomes you into the story instantly. Mm-hmm. You have, and then you have to keep up because there are time jumps in this movie that are between one cut to another. Four months have passed. Oh, like there's one point where you have like three years, and like at one point, you know, and yeah. it and you you just have to be paying attention, yeah, because the it's a crisp seventy seven minutes. This yeah. movie, I mean, clips, this yeah, movie clips. But I mean, I I, I love. Uh, I guess I should do a little bit of a synopsis here, just what's what's happening. So, so far, uh, George Sanders passes out 
you know, his brother-in-law who's on the other end of the phone line, you know, hello, you there? Are you there? No, no, crap, and everything. So then he starts calling around town, and we begin to realize that this is an event that it's not happening just in George Sanders' house, but all throughout this little village of Midwich, everybody in town has been rendered unconscious like they've got this great shot of a guy that he was on a fucking tractor and like he's just slumped over the wheel of the tractor and the tractor starts going in a circle and crashes into a tree or takes the tree out completely um you know and there's like some people that like this woman was in the middle of ironing it's a great montage of people fucking so falling asleep you you get that everything there and then they go to the credits, the actual opening credits. So you kind of like establish everything. One of the neat things I noticed too is that they've got this crane shot as you move outside of all the houses in Midwich and then they start to kind of come across uh, this street and everything. There's a tree there. The crane hits the tree. <laughs> you can see the, the branches <laughs> um, move. Actually, I, I, you know what? I noticed that too. Can I just... I, I think that is intentional. Really? And, and I'll tell you why. Because the very... The, I noticed that, and I was like, damn, fucking the camera just clocks those trees. <laughs> um, the, the next shot is like kind of like a reverse of it, you know, like looking up at the, like at the town the square ch- of, the, yeah, of church, the church. Clock tower, yeah. The trees are moving In like wind. wind, and that's... See, I noticed that too, but it, it was still pretty obvious that I they I spent like five that. minutes after I saw that shot thinking, like debating, is that intentional or not? And it, but it worked the way it's cut. Like, I thought it was kind of flawless yeah. in a way. It was almost like, here's how we're going to handle this fuck up, guys. Here's how we'll handle this screw yeah. about. <laughs> so anyway, this uh, this guy, Major Bernard, or Bernard, I guess Major Bernard, yeah. uh, is rushing to this village of Midwich. He's in London uh, to go check on his brother-in-law and his sister. You know, they're married. I hope. <laughs> And uh, as he's approaching the town, he sees, like, the town constable, which is Peter Vaughn. Did you recognize him? No. Yeah, the actor Peter Vaughn, who, let's see, uh, probably one of his greatest roles, um, he was Giles Corey in The Crucible with Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, that was like one of his last m- movies that he did, but he was also, well, that's uh, that's not true. He was in- Is he um, the guy on the, the constable on the bike? Yeah. Yeah, Gobby, I think was what his All name right. was, Constable Gobby. But Peter Vaughn actually had quite an impressive career. I mean, he did a bunch of Terry Gilliam films. Hey, Go ahead, keep talking. I'll, I'll check him out. Um, he was also in Game of Thrones. He was oh, nice. the he was the one of the maesters. Hey guys, not one episode of Game of Thrones. You have seen passed one? through my eyes. Never seen one. What you're about missing, you? You're missing a lot of titties. That's yeah. a lot of titties and yeah. dick too. Yeah, see that. See, there's equal. tons of dick in that show. Yeah. And equal. Brandon. Yeah. Here, Brandon, here's some penis. <laughs> <laughs> Dangle that dick in front of me. My grandma's going to listen to this. She's going to Oh, no. Oh, no. Hi, grandma. grandma. What are you? Is it grandma? It's Gria. Gria. Sorry, Gria. It's okay. She can handle it. Okay. It's fine. I'm glad you can handle it, Gria. But yeah, I was happy to see Peter. <laughs> You're not a serial killer, are you, Gria? She's not. Oh, for sure not. <laughs> She's the sweetest woman. But anyway, as uh, Major Bernard comes to this guy, Gobby the Constable and everything, he sees a bus that's been kind of like run off the road and everything. Mm-hmm. So as he walks towards the bus, the Major notices that he takes a couple steps and then passes out and falls. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. shit. There's something there. It's like, is it a nerve gas? You know, what is it that causes him to to pass out and everything? So they wind up getting a bunch of soldiers and stuff there, and they're testing things with, like, fucking canaries and in cages. It's so procedural and yet, and, and dry. Yeah. And yet, 
the the way it's it's so economical you become very clear as to what's going on like okay yeah. there's something there's like this dome of unconsciousness that is descended upon this town and they found the boundaries of where it is like, like they even call in an airplane and the pilots flying oh dude yeah that and, doesn't work out um, too well well that but that that's really cool because when they do that little experiment too the the major's on the radio with the pilot, and he says, I want you to descend over the town and everything, but if you start to feel any kind of ill effects or anything and stuff, you need to pull up immediately. And he's like, all right. So the pilot starts to bring the plane down, and then all of a sudden you see the pilot start to doze off, and he's like, you know, pull up, pull up, pull up, and the plane just augers in, and immediately the stakes go right through the fucking roof. Yeah. I mean, you know, you as an audience member are like, holy shit, this is some serious shit that's going down. You know, yeah. this is this is pretty fucking serious. Um, so eventually they notice like a cow unconscious in the field wakes up and everything. And then all the people on the bus start to wake up. So the major goes into town to find his his brother in law and his sister and everything. And they begin to woke, have, have woken up as well. And over the next couple of weeks, we have a little time jump here. We realize that every woman of childbearing age in this town has become pregnant. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, exactly. And of course, this is not good for a lot of people. You know, they're like, for instance, you know, uh, George Sanders and his wife are very excited. You know, he's an old fart who's like, well, you know, I married I, late. I married you late know. in life. You know, you've made me so happy. I thought I was shooting blanks, but it looks like they work. I've put a child in your belly. Um, but there's also other people like that are really really upset. It's like, like are you been sure? Gone to war for a year. Yeah, like, I've been gone for a year. This? How are you fucking pregnant? You fucking whore. <laughs> Which he doesn't really say that, but that's you know the, the, the yeah, inner, it's pretty it's talk. pretty yeah. clearly implied. The yeah, inner monologue there. And then also you've got the the girl and her mother. Where the girl's like, I can't be. I've never had it's, sex. She, she <laughs> says, it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible. And the guy's like, the doctor's like, it's unmistakable. Yeah. It's really powerful. But the, they never say pregnant. That's no, the other they thing don't. Too. With child. Yes. Yeah. They, it's, it's ex- I don't mean, I'm not trying to make a joke here, but it's like extremely potent. All, mm-hmm. of, all of this sequence is full of emotion. Every bit adds more to what yeah. the audience and is feeling. It really does feel like, I mean, we know what's going on because we're familiar with the story, but yeah. like, mm-hmm. it's still just kind of like, God, like I was so engrossed, sucked into this like drama, this that's occurring here. Well, this whole pastoral thing, you know, that we kind of start off with too, really kind of, lays it at a level where everybody can identify in this particular moment. Mm. What the fuck would I do if I woke up tomorrow and my wife was pregnant and it's like, I didn't bang my wife, you know, like, it's like, it's just, it was weird. We haven't slept together yeah, in a yeah, fortnight. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> As you all know, we sleep in separate beds. <laughs> Once you reach a certain age, old sex just stops. <laughs> Married life is not what it's cracked up to. Um, but you know also like you know or if I wake up and my daughter's pregnant you know or being that woman and waking up and realizing how the fuck did this happen (laughs) yeah and what happens well actually Brandon this will make you really really happy alien dick you've made me so happy (laughs) (laughs) so um, they they basically track this all back to the fact that this occurred or started 
with this unconsciousness that all these people have experienced and everything. So, um, they all give birth on the same damn day. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's the other God. thing too, is that they begin to find out, oh shit, all these children were born on the same damn day. And they're, they, they have freaked out because the development of these fetus <laughs> has been accelerated. So, you know, a, a perfectly a, healthy seven month old child. Except it's only it. two months it's old. It's only been two months old. <laughs> and they all weigh 10 pounds for some reason yeah. too. So it's like, but they're all healthy. Yeah. And they begin to... Isn't uh, 10 pounds a lot for a newborn? Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's like chonky. Yeah. yeah. That's a big baby. Chonk boy. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the babies actually came out going, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> um, but uh, there's enough like weirdness here that the British government is trying to figure out, all right, what, what's happening? We've also got reports that this sort of thing has happened in Australia, and it's happened in two villages in... Uh, yeah, fucking Russia. The Eskimos have birthed yes. them, and uh, well, let's just say those children are no longer with us. Yes, it, like they're literally they go Eskimos killed their children. They they bombed the Australian ones, or no, the Australian ones. They all died. Yeah, they just they died in childbirth. Then the Eskimos, I think, they murdered them because it was an offense to their and customs. The women yes. too. They killed killed all the the mothers. And this parallels really well with. Victoria, with your choice, because at this point, I'm like going, Jesus Christ, like, they're they're not expressly, it's like, it's so British in the way that they're saying Eskimos killed the children and wives, but they don't say that. They're like, mm-hmm. and then, well, hmm, it was an affront, let's just say it at that. And, you know, you're like, oh, God, okay. Not something you would expect people to be discussing in a 60s, you know, mm-hmm. like, late 50s, early 60s, like, oh. child murder. Uh, uh, I have a question. Yes. Um, when all of the, um, all of the women, like, when they realize that shit has gone down, Mm -hmm. there's one shot, and it's like a nurse opens up a door, and there's like a line of women. Yeah, there's like a trailer that they brought in, and they're actually doing kind of like maternity checks and stuff for all the women in town. Is that what's going on? Yeah. So, here's what my question was. That was a government... All right. I kind of was curious... As to whether or not, because some of these women looked ashamed. Well, there's a sign on the outside, too, that says x-rays in use. Oh, So that's okay. where they're x-raying the fetuses and also okay. learning that they're bigger than they I don't know why I was be. thinking that maybe it was like there were women that they were performing abortions for. Mm, no. No? Okay. Because no. I, I, that's, I really, I was That like, would have been a cardinal sin. Definitely, you would not have been able to discuss that. I, don't, I guess that it's weird. Like, maybe I'm- cap it at- I, Child murder. <laughs> well, I know. It was well, still illegal then, so... And, oh, that's right. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Okay, then I guess... All right, yeah. then I can't read into that, because I, okay. I thought that was kind of powerful, too. I was like, Jesus Christ, is that what's... If it got made today, There you probably. go, reading yeah. into this movie with a 21st century lens. But, Chris, that's what I loved about this movie, is it actually... The questions that it brings up are, are timeless. completely relevant right now yeah. with, like, women's rights and, like, everything yep. that's going on. This movie should be fucking remade. Today. Like today. Let's do it, guys. Like they, they Sorry, <laughs> John Carpenter. Fuck that movie. They <laughs> should they should do it now and yeah. like and bring the worries and fears of this like conservative world that we're starting to Well, you to... know this movie's already been remade twice. 
can t- force t- every fucking person in Congress to sit in a movie theater and watch it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Children of the Damned, which came out, I think, five or six years after this one. Well, that's not really anything like this movie. It's the exact same movie. Mm-hmm. The only difference is, is that the, instead, like good- of, instead of having all a bunch of little Aryan fucking babies and stuff, it's multicultural babies. Mm. So that movie yes. got that movie got woke. We made it. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> well, yes. but you they're know, all like, murderers. Well, oh, no, but well. Here, here's the thing. You <laughs> got your you got your Aryan <laughs> baby, you've got <laughs> your it. African baby, you've got your Asian baby, you've got your what what else am I, you know, you've got your Indian baby. They, it's like the UN is represented yeah. In, yeah. in that film. And then of course John Carpenter's 95 remake of this yeah. as well. Mine got remade. Yeah, yes, like, it did. Two years ago, like McKenna Grace, who's yeah. like in everything. Yeah, she plays this part, and then she—they made a sequel to that that she wrote called "The Bad Seed Returns." Oh, I bet that's McKenna great. Grace wrote it. Yeah, wow. her and like some. Well, I think the director they co-wrote it, but she wrote Rob a lot Lowe, of it. who knows a thing or two about children. <laughs> um, and Patty McCormick's <laughs> in it. She's in both. Yeah, she plays a teacher. Right on! Wow, because it right. takes place in like a fucking school. It's yeah. like very modern day. Fucking schools. It doesn't. It doesn't hit the same, and it's on Lifetime, which I've said this before. Doesn't matter. Oh, it was a Lifetime original. That's right. You make put into the movie. Who's in it? How well it's written? If it's produced by Lifetime, it's going to look like a Lifetime movie. That's and right. Therefore, the vibes are heinous. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> or wonderful, depending on who you I are. Mean, yeah, there's people you know, who like that. One thing that I noticed in this movie is that, like, when George Sanders first finds out that his wife is pregnant, he's like, "Can I get you anything? You want me to pour you a drink? Oh God, I probably shouldn't do that." It's very which, funny, which is very, very different than like in your movie where it's kind of like, "I'm pregnant and I'm going to pour myself a drink and smoke a cigarette." You yes, know, like, right. You but know, it's like this general care for the mother and everything. That scene is so endears you to George Sanders so much. Well, he's so excited. He's so excited. He's so like bumbling all of it because he's ve- shooting he's, blanks. Yeah, he's but he's like <laughs> he's get- the ultimate pragmatic. Well, he's a scientist too, so he's it's like he's one of my favorite uh kind of this era sci-fi film protagonists yeah. because his approach is so like um, rational uh, but scared, but he's also like there's that one great scene where his son says, "You're not afraid of us, are you, father?" Or not, he doesn't ask him. He's like he knows, like, "You're not afraid of us, father?" Uh and he's like, "No. No, I'm not." Uh but then like by the end he's like I don't even think he's still afraid of them. He's afraid with what he has to do. Well, I think he's also afraid of what they can do. What they could do if yeah. they find out. Which, of course, is really what everybody else has picked up on you know, before that as well, especially with the whole government situation. So these kids grow at a rapid rate. Let's get into some of these drive-in kind of vibes about it. Like, I mean... Well, I mean, the, the the whole creepy kid thing is is the the thing. You know, you've got all these little blankets, and that was a very effective thing that I I saw that they did when they're little toddlers. Okay, this is not when they're walking and talking. It's before the kids talk, but they're like you know supposed to be one. You know, mm-hmm. or I, I think they're only like nine months old, but yeah. they already look like they're eighteen months old and everything, and they're sitting around in their fucking playpens and shit. Um, it's the same kid in all the different houses. I didn't notice that. But they've got different wigs on. I them. didn't notice that. So they have this one little kid <laughs> the and it's whole like wig okay, budget was blue so- on babies. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that was also I mean it was it was a creepy sort of thing too, because you notice like all these kids look alike. All these like little babies look alike. So they actually have the same kid, but he's got long hair. So like now he's a girl. This is the girl, and this is another boy. Huh. So all of them look the same. So little David and then the kids that belong to 
the mother daughter team yeah, yeah, and everything, yeah. which the dad gets set on fire later. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that's yeah. a common theme in all of our movies. Yes, um, yeah, melting fire, burning children. Like, yes, yeah. Uh, but it is like a little boy with a girl's wig on, and when they do the uh, the whole puzzle box thing. He goes, well, yeah. wait a second here. Watch this. You know, I put a little piece. This is, this is it's a chocolate. This, yeah. yeah, this is a, a box of Asian derivation. Oh, <laughs> That's no, what he, he says, says oriental. Ori- oh. oriental. Oriental derivation. Oriental derivation. Oh. Yeah. There's a, yeah. a puzzle a box. Very There's expensive. Prize. Yes. Have you ever tried to buy a puzzle box? Them uh. bitches are expensive. I have. I've looked into it. It's very expensive. Not worth the price. Hell no, because you got to work to get that shit open. <laughs> Just buy a tissue well, box. And here's the other thing, too, is that they don't give you instructions on those things, do you? You have to fucking figure it out on you your do, own. You do, so, yeah, you, you're going to die But, you know, this neat thing that we kind of establish here is that once one of the children learn how to open the puzzle box, all of them know how to do it. Right. So they get one kid to open it, he figures it out, and then... All of a sudden, they go through, and all the kids are able to do that. So the kids keep growing. We have another time jump and everything, and uh, the government has decided. Uh, I think we need to like you know lock all these kids up or get rid of them or something. You know, yeah. something has to be done because we're also finding out too that a lot of these other places the kids are getting out of hand. Like the Russians fucking bombed an entire city to get rid of these kids, and they did that because they knew that the kids can read people's minds and will know what's going on, and we will get overthrown by them. So George Sanders makes a deal, says, give me one year, we'll put all the kids in one place, and I will be their teacher, and I think I can get through to them. And, you know, think about this. They're a hive mind. All the kids possess a hive mind. Therefore, they're super hyper-intelligent. And they can read minds. Absolutely. But if we are able to deal with this whole idea of nature versus nurture once again. Right. You know, everybody in the military is afraid. They're literally arguing about that. Yes. There's a a roundtable discussion of them arguing about what's... They're inherently bad. No, they're only, you know... I say, hell no, no. If we go through and we show them the proper way to do things, we could have an amazing brain trust on our hands. And yeah. think of what it would do for science and technology, which give me one, is a yeah. very idealistic you know, take on this. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. a, a scientist is, give me time to research yeah. this. Give me time to study this. Yeah. And let's figure out what's going on here, as opposed to just kill, kill, kill. Right. Um, also, but, who on that board decided to cut their bangs that short? Yeah. <laughs> their bangs. It grew in that way. They're so, the kids are like, oh, you going to fuck up my hair? I'm going to fuck up your life. <laughs> no, the kids cut each other's hair. Well, it's, oh, it's yeah. a style Sorry, around this that. village, you see. I mean, yeah. I'd be pissed if my parents were this short. <laughs> my little they're really high up, they're aren't so they? High, they're giving Angelina Jolie in Girl Interrupted, where she has like oh, fucking. Damn. They're called micro bangs if we want to get technical about fashion. Micro That's bangs. what they're called. Micro bangs. But I call say. them. You took a weed whacker to your hair in a manic episode, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> I call them 97 Boricua bangs. <laughs> Boricua. Si. Rico suave. Um, we get a couple of pretty gnarly things happen here. The kids make somebody's fucking car drive into a wall and explode. Well, they don't make the car drive into the wall. Well, they make the, the guys, guy. They, well, it's the, it's, you know, uh, the, the brother-in-law of the guy who said, you know, you're whoring around and everything. Yeah, yeah, I've been yeah, yeah. at sea for a year. How could you have a baby? And everything. Um, so 
the kids are walking across the street and this guy comes through with his car and almost hits one of the kids. And like the dude's immediately like, oh, my God, are you OK? Are you OK? Well, the kid's like, no, you don't get no fucking slack with us. Me. <laughs> and then their eyes start glowing, which is something we kind of learned a little bit earlier on. Legitimately creepy. The, kids, the shots of the kids hey. with their glowing eyes is frightening. And they use hey. this weird kind of like, it, there's, there's matte and like split diopter shots some, that they have For here. some shots, like the more, the, the shots that are like, let's spend a little bit extra money on doing a, a we'll freeze the frame here, mm-hmm. do a matte on them here. But for the most part, they're still images they're freeze yes, frames but there are of, a few diopter of, shots yeah. too no they're not diopters they're matted shots they're optical prints so they they're it's well then they didn't line the mats up no, on some of them because i'm like oh look you've got two shoulders here it's not accurate yeah it's it's but it's a well, testament but they were for a couple of them because there are a couple of action shots those were matted as well, huh? Yeah, they're matted. They're opticals. So they did an optical print? Yeah, okay. and, and, and it, they Thank don't you, do Orson it very Wells. much. Yeah, they don't do it very much. I think they do it like three times. Yeah, there's three. And like, it's early on. But yeah, as you said, most of them are still images yeah. that but they go through and put the Testament to the movie that it doesn't, you, you don't really it even notice works, it. Yeah, man. it works, It's creepy yeah. as hell when these kids' eyes start glowing. Yeah. But, you know, when the kids use their glowing eye powers, they can manipulate people. Dude, there is one thing that happens in this movie that I was legit shocked the, the shotgun scene? Fucking shotgun well, suicide. We'll get to that, yeah, because, like, anyway, this guy that was driving the car and almost hit the kid, the guy gets into a trance after they glow his eye, you know, their glowing eyes and shit. He gets back in the car, and then he drives the car. They make him drive the car into the wall. David makes his mother plunge her arm into boiling, boiling water, water because she served him milk that was too hot. Yeah. And by the way, that's one of the more powerful scenes in the film. Yeah. Um, when that that there's this low angle shot of her shoving her arm and screaming. Yeah. I, look at that shit. I was, <laughs> you do have this yo, it fucking scared. This. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, God damn it's. And by the way, that's a recurring theme in this movie for me. Uh, I, I was so emotionally invested in the movie and I don't know what the fuck was up with me when I, I watched it this morning. Mm-hmm. I was like a weeping mess throughout this movie. It was weird. Like yeah. that scene, I was like, I went, <gasps> When she plunged her arm, when the suicide shotgun. It's kids, man. No, it wasn't even the kids. I think it was like the adults. It was like the the loss of control. It was like no, fuck the kids. (laughs) It was no like the 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 emotion of the parents and. I think it's the helplessness too, because as a parent, your job is to take care of your child. That's what it was. It felt so helpless. Because my dad has even told me when I dropped out and I was whatever personal when I was going through like my uh, depressive anxiety shit, he was like. I genuinely convinced myself you were lying about it because I didn't know how to help you and it scared me. Right. So that, that parent, I think parent, that's a real fear hopeless. as a parent. Yeah. that's your job and you can't fucking do the one thing. But you still kind of, <laughs> yeah. Well, that plays into the bad scene it as does. well, which is why yeah. I think that these two movies pair way better than that other movie <laughs> because the theme of <laughs> nature, a good nature, versus, a nature versus nurture are the big themes in these two movies mm-hmm. and that feeling that Rhoda's mom has where she feels helpless like I had no control over this yeah, and scary. not having that sense of control and that's the thing it's like you know as a parent you feel like you have to control every situation mm-hmm. I mean and uh, this movie hits very different this is the first time I've watched rewatched this movie since I became a dad so it's like I haven't seen this movie in fucking seven years um, but you know 
a lot of these films hit me very differently when there's this element of parenthood involved. And I think much like Brandon, I, I mean, I rewatched the movie and I, I was I was actually pacing. You know, I was not sitting in a chair. I was standing up and kind of pacing back and forth as I'm watching it because I'm trying to dispel some of the anxiety that I'm feeling. And that was one of the things I, the note I said, I said, does the anxiety that I feel right now for the impending birth of the village babies, and this is before the babies are even born. Does it stem from my own fatherhood? Did you guys feel that sense of tension prior to the birth of the babies just with what Wolf Rilla has presented to us? I did. Yeah. I felt it the whole, I mean, the, the it's, it was palpable. Did I yeah. use that word earlier? Like, I don't know if I did. That The tension a great is word to palpable it. in the film. And it keeps getting ratcheted up, you know. Dude, and, and it with does. With that 77-minute runtime, too, it's efficient. It's a efficient. lot to be thrown at at the beginning of a film. It is, and it really. Especially for a black and white movie. No, yeah. it, does, it is. And you know what's crazy is it's it's one of the only movies that I would say, like, I I, the screed that I have of, like, I hate long movies. I just want to see short films that's, please, uh, I'm going to die soon. I just want short movie. You know what I mean? Like, um, this is a movie that I legit think could stand to be longer. I think they, mm-hmm. they could take the time to explore some of the things that are presented a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been a good, it would make a great TV series. If like oh each episode was a different God. family. God, don't remake a film. Make it a series. If each episode was a different family's house and you spent like a week with them. Holy shit, I'll write it. I'll write it the fuck right now. Call it, and it's called the Midwitch Cuckoos. Mm-hmm. Don't call it, or just call it fucking Midwitch. Yeah, that, yeah, that eats. It sounds like a Hallmark thing, movie. Midwitch? <laughs> I don't know. Midwitch sounds kind of evil to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, because it's got a witch in there. Because yeah. that's my complaint, is a lot of things get remade, and things that were made that I feel like they crammed too much into the short span of a movie. This would be a series. And they needed to be a series oh in my order for God. us to care about anybody. But make it a limited series. Yeah, it doesn't don't, need to no, be. No, one season. No. Yeah. One season, done. that's it. We're done. British we're done. And it must be a British series. That's BBC. the only way it would get made. Yes. Hit us up, BBC, and right now. And next season, you can do Day of the Triffids. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But it's Day of the Trivets. Yeah. So maybe that. Or like go to a different handy. country. There you go. Do the Eskimo. Uh, one. Yeah, right. <laughs> do the fucking Russia one. Do the Australia one. There you go. You know, if you got to have multiple things going on there. But I mean, anyway. <laughs> you've got this this 1950s sci fi trope. And granted, yes, this movie was released in 1960, but it, it's still got that 50s vibe going on here where you've got your eggheads that invite doom. You know, and this seems to be an idea that was very common in the 50s where don't trust the fucking scientists. The military know what to do. Don't trust the scientists. This is the opposite. America. What? This is the this movie is the opposite of that. No, it's not. This is trust the scientists. reinforces the whole thing. Once again, the only difference is, is that George Sanders, character says I was wrong. Oh, you're right. Okay, you're right. He does you know, say. How many movies do you know where basically it is a rosy interpretation of like I can only think of the day there is it still. That is like the what? only I movie. Finish, finish your thought. Uh, uh, what? How many movies can I think of that? What? That actually kind of take that rosy side of the scientists are right, the military is wrong. Oh. Right, okay. Like nineteen fifty six. Like the more liberal minded attitude. Exactly. Well, yeah. yeah, and once again we have that kind of fight between liberal and, and conservatism. Yeah. Um interesting. Yeah. If a conservative making the movie though, then it's not gonna <laughs> like end up like that. Oh, well certainly. And I mean you know, it's it's the, the source material <laughs> yeah. too. Midwich's I mean, I'm sorry, uh Wyndham's book 
Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, this is actually a very excellent adaptation of the source material. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, an efficient adaptation of the source I'll material. Say. But, you know, I, I keep thinking about, like, this this positive, you know, science fiction tropes and stuff like that. You know, Day of the Year stood still. I don't think we can get another example of that until Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You know, everything else is, like, think about it, 79, Alien. <laughs> you know, it's, like, bad, destroy, you know, as opposed to Sweet Aliens, which in 82 we get E.T. Yeah, man, I don't know. I guess I can't think of... Uh... It was just something that occurred to me while I was I was watching it. That's everything. a good point, though. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, this scientist who's been trying very, very hard to find a, uh, a solution that is amenable to all, he comes to the realization that, uh, yeah, the only way that we're going to survive this is if we take the kids out okay and that image that he keeps coming like he's standing at the mantelpiece and he looks at the friggin' you know like fireplace brick and everything like that a brick wall a brick, brick wall a brick wall a brick wall a brick wall oh now Not i know what W-A-L-L. i can do with a brick it's w-o-o-l brick wall brick wall so what does he do he sends his wife off with chris okay Sorry, say say it because I I'm sorry. I just I'm reacting already because that that's thing where he says goodbye to his wife mm-hmm. and tells his brother-in-law take care of her. And then the worst part for me, I don't I, like I don't I'm like I'm already getting fucking weirdly emotional. This is insane. When he says goodbye to the dog, no, nope, you've got to stay here. Oh my god! And he's like, look after your mistress, you know. And the dog, and, it, and then and then like a, like salt in the wound. That cut to a shot of the dog going, like the dog looks up at him. They didn't need to fuck you. You didn't need to put that shot in there. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Just as he's leaving. Heart. Yes. Okay. Because the dog... there's another dog shot in there that's like also equally frightening. Is that as George Sanders, he's wired up. Spoiler alert. <laughs> he's yeah. wired up a bomb. Uh huh. And he's put it in his briefcase, and he's supposed to go to the children's school to tell them the plans of. How he's going to disperse them disperse throughout them the country. The, yeah. yeah. And when he gets there, he starts talking about another lesson. And the kids are like, eh, something's a little off with you, buddy. We atomic, said something. The weight, atomic weight of uh, cobalt. It's 58.9. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is. Look it up. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I dropped out in 10th grade. I don't know. Yeah. I've well, seen, he's seen, seen Ghostbusters a hundred times. Oh, true. <laughs> Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, he's trying to keep this from the kids so he's built a brick wall in his mind to hide the fact that he's got a bomb you know i've only got to get through a couple of minutes with the kids and keep them occupied long enough for this bomb to go off and everything and you know the whole realization the kids are like something's wrong then all of a sudden they start flashing their their crazy eyes at him and everything and you get this nice little kind of like you know dissolve shot and everything where you've got George Sanders' forehead and then the crumbling of that brick Very wall. effective. And then also, underneath that, you also get the image of the, the timer of the on timer. the bomb. And very cinematic. Very very well done. When the kids break through and everything like that, and also all their heads in unison turn towards the briefcase, kaboom, the dog at the house raises his head up because he hears the explosion. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. I must I have blocked that part out. I don't think you need to remember out. that. Yeah. <laughs> Because I was, I, I, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I was fucking 
weeping today when I watched Ooh. it. I don't know. I was like, what is going on? Because I'm, it's like, a great streaming. movie, Brandon. It, it is. Great, very, very powerful. Movie. That f- The dog is what that like did it. That's that did it for me. second monologue in my movie when the drunk mom comes back for the second time. Yeah. yeah. And she starts talking about like, it's like, it, it like hits her, I think, that like this is just how it is and... Oh, my son was better than your daughter. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah like, that for me, like I cried during my movie, not at Rhoda, but <laughs> <laughs> but it was it's just hard seeing people be helpless. Yeah. I think, and you you're like we live yeah, in the vulnerability. Time. Yeah. you know, in in it, it is it sits at the crux of nature versus nurture. Yeah, the responsibility that parents feel, and ultimately the vulnerability. You are supposed to be the one to protect. And guide your children so they can flourish. And instead, and instead, you know, you're murder you suicide or putting a bomb and, and suicide bombing them. Yes. It's one of those or are your chopping two your hands off or chopping your hands off with a samurai sword. Um, Chris, great, incredible film. Yeah. Um, Victoria. Mm-hmm. Now there we go. We've got three movies for a killer kids double feature. But only two of them can make it. Obviously, you're our guest programmer. The Bad Seed is our headlining film. Mm-hmm. What movie do you think would pair best with The Bad Seed? Christmas would it- movie. <laughs> <laughs> no okay. time at all. All right. So should we call Actually, the- Honestly, though, I think that would be so f- uh, funny as fuck tonal shift in a movie theater to show this and then show the Sure, children. the shot of adrenaline yeah. at the drive-in. <laughs> so the- we'll call the headline for this uh, uh, Snooze Fest 3000, Bad, Bad seed. seed and Village of the Damned, and everybody will fall asleep. Boxes. No, I'm kidding. No, um, I'm kidding. They're just going to have an existential crisis and then sign up for like therapy <laughs> afterwards, and that's fine. Okay, so that's it. So what do we call I don't want to call it Killer Kids. No. We should come up with something more clever than that. Serial Spawn. I do. See, I, I like where we're in this. Toddler terrors. Al- <laughs> Dude, the, illiterate, the alliterative nature of it, we need to stick with. Mm-hmm. Terror tots. Terror tots. <laughs> Ser- it's cereal, cereal spawn, and we serve terror tots at the concession <laughs> stand. There we go. <laughs> With blood red ketchup. Oh I'm going to tell you, at the, at the concession stand, if the rats don't get to it, yeah, I kind of think we I should think start selling tots. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Period. Wow. I'll, I'll work it. Okay. I this is a cook. great double feature, guys. Wow. Period. Incredible double feature. Or Tots of Terror. I did love yours. Tots of Terror if we picked mine. No, Tots of Terror. Oh, Tots of Terror. Oh. Um, Victoria. Yeah. What's up? What are you up to these days? Tell us, how do we find you? How do we know about you? Where can we listen to your voice? <laughs> if you sadly want to hear me talk more, you can listen to my <laughs> podcast. It's called Bad at Talking. We, I just started it, but by the time you listen to this, um, there will be more episodes out. But I just talk about stuff, <laughs> everything and <laughs> Whatever anything. strikes your hands. Yeah. And I go down rabbit holes because I like to do that. My first episode is on American Girl Dolls and how much I love them. So, um, but yeah, I have stuff planned. But yeah. And then you can find me on Instagram at It's Victoria Trouble. Two Bs like the Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm at Short and Spooky Gal on Twitter if you want lukewarm comedy. <laughs> 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 well, this was so much fun. I'm so glad we got to have you on the show. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening to us talk for a long time. Thanks for having me. I've, I've, this is my second guest appearance on a podcast. No oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, so 
Awesome. Excited. Wow. Cool. No, you should make the rounds. And I'm, did we say this You're earlier? You're a great guest. You're Thank also you. our first official podcast host guest. Yes. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, because we've, we've had uh, you know, YouTubers. Is YouTubers. You tubers? <laughs> yeah. We've had tubers on before, but we've never actually had a podcast host yeah. on before. Wow. So, How cool. Yeah. Welcome. So if Thank this shit you. sucks, I'm a judge y'all. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Totally kidding. All Love. right, guys. That wraps up another episode of Dead City Drive-In. Uh, once again, thank you so much to our wonderful guest, uh, Victoria Tribble. I'm Brandon Windish. And I'm Chris Holcomb. And remember, at this drive-in, if the cars are rocking, it doesn't necessarily mean somebody's fucking. It's probably a child that's been hiding in the back seat. You didn't see them. And they're going to either give you a really big hug or hit you in the head with a fucking shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Want to have words with the management? Email us at deadcitydrivein at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future episode. And hey, why not rate and review Dead City Drive-In on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show, keep the admission free, and splatter just the right amount of slime and sleaze onto our mutant-friendly drive-in screen. Under 17, not admitted without parent.